Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics and Pop Culture Podcast, coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Chloe Maviel returns to the podcast to join Graham McMillan and myself in talking about things scary, spooky, and altogether ooky. It is our first Wait What since New York Comic Con, so there is a rundown in the highs and lows of that show. Uh, and lots of talk about films and shows from the Halloween season, including Nightmare Weekend, His House, Baba Yoga, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Vampire's Kiss, The Lair of the White Worm, as well as comics like Radiant Black, Big Dave, Punisher, Blood on the Moors, Diabolical Summer, and much, much more. We welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Jeff, gonna be at our house in like a week, Lester. Graham, I know I cannot wait. McMillan! Oh, wait, hold on. Hold Yay! on. Yay! Hey, y'all! I, like, you you thought that was me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. Was that not you? Who's speaking now? Is it, was that Chloe who said that? Chloe? Yes. No, that's Graham. Okay, and Chloe? <laughs> Jeff, let me tell you. Before we Chloe, okay, right. Hey, everyone, so Chloe's on the episode. Just so you know, this is going to come as a shock. Anyway, sorry, Chloe, keep talking. Before we go any further, Jeff, <laughs> i got to tell you, Chloe and I were at Frankenstein Comic Swap today, which we will tell you about later, oh. but um, we, bought a com- we bought comics from someone who listens to the podcast and said so, and I was so embarrassed I didn't properly introduce myself or get their name. So whoever that was... I was purely because I was like mortified. Oh no, he absolutely shut down. Like, yeah, I bet. I, oh like, my god, Graham, that's amazing. Yeah, oh, I, 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 like famous and stuff. Right? Yeah. yeah. It was like it, I was so mortified, and I like maybe two minutes afterwards was like I was so rude, and I didn't mean to be rude, and I feel really bad. But whoever that was, I'm very sorry. You were really nice, and I was so embarrassed. That I just did not do anything. I oh. apologize profusely, and it has honestly weighed on me ever. <laughs> like that was like seven hours ago, and it has weighed on me ever since. Wow. Secondly, Jeff, guess what I bought from them though? Okay, what from the same person, or you mean from, from the, the same swap? Person, from the okay. same person. Do you remember the two series I said I was going to look for, and you said oh no to one of them? Yes, and that was the one, huh? Yep, I bought back issues of The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones from Marvel Comics. Oh, no. Oh, Graham. How many, how, how, which, which issues? Like I bought issues 3 through 10. Uh, right. And I'm, uh, this sounds like a joke and it's not. I genuinely think that the first year of that series is really good. And then it goes downhill horrendously. But the first year or so is genuinely good comics. Oh, I it's, think so. I, yeah, they try. They try their hardest. Well, you so, know? The, like, the first couple of issues are burn and yes. terrorism, right? And they're, right. like, they're fine. When you read them again, they're very burn, if that makes sense. But then David Michelini comes on as writer, and he's fucking great. Yeah, he clearly like, has a passion for that yeah, character. Yeah, genuinely really good at it. Right. And he's got art from, like, Ron Friends and Kerry Gamble's in there as well. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I remember Michelini and Gamble. And that was, because that was the part where I was like, oh, maybe they've got a chance and they'll pull this off. And then it was like, no. Oh, no, so, no, very, like, it, it is. It's, like, really early in year two. They're like, or 
maybe not. Maybe we'll just get like Steve Ditko and whoever's in the office that week to script it. Right. And it, it becomes a very bad comic very quickly. But no, I got issues three through ten. And I love that it was the person who was like, I'm a whatnot. And I was just like, oh, okay, bye. bye. <laughs> like, really bad. But I was getting the comics that you specifically were like, don't get. Don't don't get them. I, I, I just said, oh, no. Because like, A, I kind of feel like, you know, arguing you guys away from you know, your scary times is just going to, you know, it's... It's, it's just going to make it stronger, let's be perfectly honest. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I was like, you're going to do what you're going to do. And considering I was like, huh, I wonder what list I should give him. And, you know, my understanding, and I'm sure you know this, although I don't feel like it was discussed in Marvel Age or something like that. I, I feel like when, when Byrne was given one of his candid shit-talking interviews, he was super excited to be on Indiana Jones at first. And the problem is apparently... Uh, unlike Star Wars, getting the licensing shit through licensing at Lucasfilm was yeah, a fucking yeah, horror show. So slow. Apparently, it was a disaster. Yeah, slow and, and that, incredibly that, arbitrary about what yeah, they the did. Yeah, the comic loss like. is like really long after Raiders of the Lost Star. It's like a year later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which probably speaks to that. But um, but that's <clears throat> that's all I got from the comic swap. Mm-hmm. But uh, let me tell you, the other person sitting in this room uh, got. Everything. I made out like a fucking bandit. <laughs> you know what? You know what you do, especially in in a Portland comic swap. You go looking for the bullshit, and let me tell you, you know what I collect? I collect bullshit. <laughs> bullshit, you know ahoy! Oh, no. Yeah. I let's see. I got um. You, you got like eight issues of Omaha the I Cat Dancer. Eight, like eight, eight or ten issues of Omaha the Cat Dancer. Wow. And like the first issues, Jeff. Oh, yeah. and they're so great. Um, <laughs> I got some of the got some of the issues of Weirdo. Oh God. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. When I said I was looking for bullshit, Jeff. I was oh not- man, let me tell you. Oh, those what twenty eight or so issues of Weirdo are just that's got that that's. Yeah, that's definitely you're huffing the comics glue there, Chloe. Sure I'm impressed. Am. Yeah. Guess who was selling them? The uh, guy, the guy who wrote the, the Chrom the Chrome Compendium for Fantagraphics. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which I loved because he like he had um for want of a better way of putting it, he had the air of someone who had written the compendium for a Robert Crumb. <laughs> Uh, which is to say, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I didn't bring enough cash with me to buy you out of all of this shit. Do you have a card so that I can buy more of these from you privately? And he was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Wow. <laughs> he, actually, he actually for real did go, yeah, this is the last time I'm ever doing this. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, what? it's kind of funny because I'm like, man, if he really was a guy who wrote about Robert Crumb, you probably could have gotten the rest of him for like a piggyback ride, you know? <laughs> Oh. Kind of shocked. That genuinely was an oh, ugly laugh. No, oh, okay. But okay, but speaking of uh uh people giving piggybacks, he was also selling the Robert Crumb Catholic schoolgirl statue. Oh, I remember that one. Wait, is that I the do. one where she She's got the beak, right? Or am I thinking of that? Of a, no, a different no, one. That's a different one. Yeah, this, this oh. was just a, a a Robert Crumb girl. Catholic girl. I've got to check that out. Hold on. Tell me more. <laughs> Pause. Yeah. Uh, what else did you get? Because you you um, really like for real. You got. Uh, I got the Gordon Rennie and Martin Eamond, uh white trash, 
which is which is just so good. Like I love Martin Neiman's work so much, um, and it's fully painted and it's just painfully pretty to look at and just like really manic. Um, you got uh, three issues uh, of Blood, A Tale by Jeff DeMattis and Ken Williams, the epic comic release, not the later yeah. vertical re-release. Wow. Uh, what else did you get? You got, I, got, you got um, I got a copy of Judgment on Gotham. Yeah, the original printing of Judgment on Gotham. Ooh. Yeah. And she's pretty. Yeah, I bet. I uh, bet. Oh, and uh, uh, Milo Monera's Butterscotch. Oh, yeah, Butterscotch. Yeah. Mm. Oh, no, for, for real. Like, this was... It, we went in, and neither of us knew what we were going to get. But after uh, talking to you, to be honest, earlier this week, mm-hmm. both of us were like, we've got to get stuff that you can't get digitally. Yeah. Because these days, like, everything's available digitally, right? Like, if it's Marvel or DC, you can get it digitally. Right. Like, a lot of the old, old stuff has been collected from other publishers. And we were like, it's stuff that you can't get. We've got to get stuff that you so, like, can't really get otherwise. Well, see, that's when uh, being me and being, like, the little shitty comics goblin in the corner that collects <laughs> things that nobody else wants well, to talk about comes in handy. Yeah, no, because you were like, that's all I want. I don't yeah. want anything that's available digitally. They were like, we right. have all of the, we have a bunch of Silver Age, Silver Age Marvel over here. And I was like, that's fine. That's fine. Do you have any, like, what was it that I was asking for? You're, you're like, I need Angel Love, issues 6, 9, and 13, Amazing yeah. Man, 1 through 5. You joke, uh, but I think both those things are on DC Universe. Oh, no. Aren't this, no. Angel Amazing Love Man is not on DC Amazing Universe, Man is definitely is. I don't know if Angel Love is, but Amazing Man definitely is. Yeah, I think they did do a trade on that recently. Um, well, that's like the guy that was there that was uh, trying to point out all of his. He was like, well, here are all the key issues. We've got a bunch of 1980s X-Men. And then I was like, oh, my God, you have three issues of Light and Darkness War. Let's fucking go. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got Light and Darkness War. Um, we got uh, the Titan 1980s reprint of the first volume of Nemesis, which we got from Zach Soto, friend of the podcast. Hey! It was so funny. I didn't want to say when it was like, hey, it, was, it was a whatnot, and I blocked on his name. I'm like, shit, I hope it's not Zach Soto. No, it wasn't that. I didn't know Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, Zach is, we were talking to Zach, and Zach was great. Zach was basically talking us through what he's selling, and he's like, you've got this. You've got this. <laughs> Really funny. Um, what shit? What else did you get? It really... uh, uh, some martial law. Yeah, you got you got the apocalypse yeah. printing of martial law. <laughs> Very specifically. Um, yeah, it, it. But it was. It was one of those things where we went in going, okay, we've got to get stuff that you can't get digitally, like stuff that you can only get in back issues. Right. Not. And I didn't really think there was going to be there because we've done Frankenstein comic swaps before, and you know, don't get me wrong. I love me some 50 cent comics. I love me some dollar comics. Right. But it is stuff that generally you can get elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And this time it was not. And it was amazing. Oh, like for great. real people, there was an entire table that was just pulp magazines from the 1940s. Oh, right. See? Yeah. No, I mean, this is it. I It breaks my heart. This is like the first Frankenstein swap in like several years yeah since covid right and i was the one who uh i I suggested that that nancy image that i thought that they should use um i have to dig it up that i circulated on twitter and someone was like yeah we're having our first one and i'm like yeah wow that's great and i miss it again by a fucking this is this is for real the second or third time you've missed it by like a week a week i know it breaks my heart and of course the you know 
Yeah. That's it. Like, I asked if you wanted anything, and you were like, I'm not collecting print comics anymore. No, it's totally true. It's totally true. I think, this, I think this it's... This would have broken you, though. This would have broken you, because you would have seen shit, and you're like, I, you know, I, I, I'd forgotten that comic even fucking existed. Right. Right. No, you know, exactly. Like, oh, but we can get the entire set for $5, and you're like, well, okay, sure. Right. Right. Like, Jeff, did you want Badger? <laughs> you want the first year of American Flag? I came so close for the first year oh, of American yeah. Flag. Honestly, I like, oh fuck, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I probably would have plunked down for like early Badger, frankly. Um, oh, said, like the whole series of Badger. Yeah, that that see shit like that. I mean, I think that's kind of the the problem. Is is well, part of why I want to be there is like you said, once you see it in front of you, and and frankly, the Frankenstein comic swap had such a. Um, I mean, it really is just sort of focused on the swap aspects and people who are just like, kind of like all but giving away their extras or just trying yeah, yeah. to. Well, that, that was that was that was doing. I realized we should explain this for one of us who don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, there's this thing Portland calls the Frankenstein Comic Swap, like we've been saying, and it is, it's a swap meet. Yeah. It used to be in the Eagle Lounge, just sorry, the Eagle Lodge, just down the road from where where I live. And that's, I believe that entire lodge is gone because of COVID. And so now they've taken up an abandoned store in a local mall, which was amazing. Ooh, it's, wow. It's the old H&M store in mm -hmm. the local mall that they were in. Holy so shit. It was, floors, it was two floors of comics. Oh. Um, but it's it's dealers, but it's also fans. Yeah. Right? And well, apparently, see, tables, apparently tables are super cheap. And it's literally people being like, here's a box of comics. We've not sorted them out. But basically everything here is two bucks. Right. right, right, and so if you're willing to dumpster dive, you can genuinely come up with just like mind-bending shit. There was stuff I just I genuinely had forgotten was ever published. And then when I saw it, I was like, I remember that. I remember that from like 1986. You know, it's 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 a wonderland. It is a joy, but it's also something where, like, you end up like you did today. You just like you just kept getting things to the point where. Yeah. You stopped buying things because I hadn't bought anything yet. Oh, yeah, no, I was like, you have to fucking find something because this isn't fair and I feel bad. <laughs> and then Jeff disappears. He's yeah. muted himself or he's dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I muted myself. Can you guys actually hold on? I muted myself on accident, but now I have to mute myself on purpose because Remy was scratching and so I lifted up the day bed so that he could get it, whatever. And now he's still down there not coming out, so... I'm I trying to that. carry a conversation with like a couch kind of propped up on my knees and a pug hiding under it. So it's this honestly feels like perfect preparation for you being here in a week. Yeah, it really I, is. I, I, can't, I can't lie. This feels ideal. <laughs> you're not ready. Um, I, I know I'm not ready. The, the comic swap is, it really is a genuine joy. If you're one of those fans, like the two of us are next Jeff, I think you are too. Mm -hmm. Who loves going through the back issue bins? You know, and, and, see, and seeing yeah. things that you, like honestly, as much as anything for the nostalgia, for the yes. you know, I can't believe that, like, I can't believe I've forgotten that exists. Or like, do you remember back when Fire from Heaven was a, a Wildstorm comics crossover? <laughs> you know, like um, right. But it is, and also, con the Frankenstein comic swap has always, and this year especially, or this this one especially. Um, it's been really big on like independent publishers and zines. Yeah, mm. there was a large zine stuff this year. A lot of stuff from local, like 
when I say zines, I'm talking like you know someone has photoshopped the shit, uh, photocopied the shit out of this, and that's it. You know, and that's that's great. That's so much fun to look through. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's how we spent our day. Wow, that sounds so good. Uh, so seriously, how many hours were you guys there? We were only there for we like an up, hour and a half, two yeah, hours. Yeah, we were there for maybe an hour and a half. But honestly, like we hit up basically every table. Yeah, so. yeah, that's I, fast. I, I, maybe so. I said it was two floors. Maybe a third of it is also toys or videos. Mm-hmm. Like, do mm-hmm. you remember back in the day? And this is you and me being old, old Jeff. You remember when you used to go to comic book convention, uh, comic book conventions? Listen to me, comic conventions, and it used to be there really would be like tables of like bootleg VHSs. Oh, oh totally. No, no. As soon as you said that, yeah, that they, and the thing like, of like, yeah, vibe. yeah, it's yeah. Somebody who's like you know got a folding table and they've put out all their previously mint on card old action figures um yes, yes. yeah i i adore that stuff yeah or so. are these days there's an incredible amount of action figures that are all in ziploc bags yep oh yeah that's kind of a big thing with the accessories you know really, i should do that because i've got i've still got like i had i put it set aside a whole bin of all these loose action figures that i had you know collected over the years <laughs> With the idea of giving them to my nieces to play with, and of course now they're they're kind of all too old. Like the window has definitely closed on that. And um, Jeff, yeah. I don't mean to be weird, but I can be nieces. Like <laughs> <laughs> in any other context, that would be horrifying, Chloe. But that's wonderful. I will think about that. I'll I'll have to dig through because in that case, yeah, um, I'm I may well do that. You are you might enjoy sifting through the 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 piles of amazing plastic rubble um uh-huh. <laughs> i did enjoy watching you like stumble through that response though that was good yeah, if, i'm over here just being like this is weird, <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> i did have that moment where i'm like oof wow see you guys have to understand like literally seconds before we started uh podcasting I checked Twitter and this person I followed is like totally like just doing a thread of like classic Japanese porno movies from the 70s that they're, you know, offering like download, you know, the megafile downloads of. And I was like, okay, I'm in a dilemma. Do I fake (laughs) my own death here or hey, come on. Sorry. Uh, no, I, there's a dog there. I can hear. Yeah, exactly. Well, and he made some sort of chewing noise, and I don't know what he has. What do you have, buddy? He's so not game with me, like, looking in his mouth. This is the closest I've ever gotten. Okay, stop. Stop being... Oh, no. Okay, hold on, guys. I'm going to put you on hold, because he's chewing something that sounds like a Lego. This is amazing. Just put, put us on mute, and we will keep okay. talking. Thanks. I have to say, for real, your face... When Jeff's what <laughs> classic Japanese porno movies, you just lit up. You're like, tell me more about the Japanese porno movies. Yeah, I mean, I know what I like. And, and, and what you like apparently is Omaha the Cat Dancer, <laughs> Butterscotch, and Japanese porno movies. You're having a day. I am having. Here's the thing. I'm having like, I don't. <laughs> no, I am. I'm having like full feral like horny goblin day where it's just like i blame nightmare weekend 
when Jeff comes back, we're going to have to talk about Nightmare Weekend, which has been uh, the gift that keeps giving. She's just, there's a cut where she fucks the puppet. You know <laughs> there is. Oh, boy. What does? Because Jeff is still not there right now. Um, if you have Peacock, like we do, and if you're watching a lot of horror movies, both good and shitty this month, like we are, there's a movie on there called Nightmare Weekend, which Chloe and I watched that we are both genuinely this is not a joke genuinely convinced that there's a porn version of somewhere because no film has ever seemed more like a 1980s porno without the sex oh my god we're talking about black adam already i just came in at the tail end of this (laughs) no jeff there's a film called nightmare weekend Uh it's on uh it's on peacock i think Mm -hmm. it's on two as well because of course it's 1986 which seems Later than you think it is when and, you watch the movie. And it's a, it's a trauma movie, or it's, it's distributed it's, by trauma. It's distributed by trauma. Right. And this is not a joke. I'm convinced it's a porno that they've cut the sex out of. Like, oh, genuinely yeah. convinced. Right, right. Uh, not only because there are so many scenes that, like, lead up to fucking, and then they cut away from really weirdly. Well, But also, like... Well, they do sex scenes where everybody's, like nude and on it, it it looks very unsimulated right but the best part is is that they don't actually have sex simulated or otherwise they just kind of rub against each other like cats right and... yeah 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 <laughs> but but the plot of nightmare weekend is amazing mm-hmm. because i will explain the plot and what you have to understand through all of this is none of this explains what happens in the film <laughs> okay good the plot is there's this girl whose dad is a scientist and she goes home for the weekend and her dad is working on a scheme where for some reason it's never explained he is going to mind control three other teenage girls one of whom unknowingly is the best friend of his daughter um Um, and he does that by teleporting a plastic tablet, which he then transforms into a metal ball, which then flies into their mouths and they swallow, and then he can mind control them. Wow. Yeah. Well, wait, wait, wait. Well, That's just the start, Jeff. Because he's also having an affair with someone who's having an affair with the man that his daughter is in love with. Mm-hmm. The daughter also has an artificial intelligence called she George. No, shut up. He's. She's got an artificial intelligence thing in her room and it can like process data for her and tell her like, what color dress should I wear on my date? And he, (laughs) but this whole AI is control is, is like run through this little no shit hand puppet named George, who looks like something out of punch and Judy. And you can clearly see the puppeteer under the table. Yeah, it's and- what? Oh my god, this sounds amazing. Are you guys just you guys aren't pranking me? Like this all exists, right? It's so okay. real. No, okay, so and for let me she's like, Where should I go to meet my man? Where should I go to pick up a date? George, what should I do? And he's like, needs more data and claps his little puppet hands. And then up on the screen, it's like bars. And clubs, you could go meet a man there. And then it goes. And the hitchhiking. And she's like, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> and Jeff, there's literally a scene where she's trying to hitchhike to meet this man. Mm-hmm. She instead meets another man who actually rapes her. Mm-hmm. Okay? She is rescued by the man she was hoping to meet. And the rape is never mentioned again. And in fact, like five minutes later, the man is pissy that she won't fuck him. Wow. 
all played like in t- like entirely straight. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's it's shocking. I, I'm not joking when I say <laughs> that uh, neither of us are actually sure what happens at the end of the film. At, at all like the film first of all just ends like there's, there's no time to wrap everything up it just stops now but, oh, okay so a, a little bit of context here yes is, is it dubbed are these american actors no, or it this... is dubbed it is dubbed but they're all speaking english okay all right that makes sense but it, okay but it, it, everything is dubbed does it does it look would you say more spanish or more italian it, no, it's American. It's, no, it, it is it's very, very, it is clearly very American. low budget, bad American film. Oh, okay, but uh, uh, yeah, no, it's no, because we've also been watching our Italian films. We watched what's it called, Baba Yaga Baba today, Yaga. Which, which is based on Guido Kripak's comic. And it was out. hot. And yeah. it, was, it was also it, insane. It yeah, was, it was like, crazy. Who needs the plot? There's a bondage doll. We switched out for puppets though, so we're on the way up. And seriously, you guys have have a distressingly thematic through line here that I'm sexy puppet time for Halloween is. uh, It's Krivak's comic because the woman, so it's Valentina, who is the best photographer in the world. And they established this amazingly through going, have you heard of Cartier-Bresson? That's one of her pseudonyms, which is such a flex. (laughs) Wow. That's hilarious. Um but she gets, she's like magicked by Baba Yaga, the, the eponymous witch, right? Right. And at one point she goes into Baba Yaga's house and she finds this, like when I say doll, it's like a kid's doll. Right. Right. It's a, But it's dressed in bondage gear. Mm-hmm. And Baba Yaga's like, you have to take this doll and keep it with you at all times. It will protect you from evil. And Valentina, the main character, takes a photograph of it. And when she develops the photograph, she realizes that, the doll actually is just wearing like a regular doll dress, but she sees it in bondage clothes. Yeah. Right. Spoilers. What Valentina is doing is helping transform the bondage doll into an actual woman. It's wow. like a fucked up Pinocchio. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the film, the the bondage doll as a human almost kills Valentina's boyfriend who hits her with a stick and then she turns back into a doll. <laughs> I gotta tell you, they, a, I'm so glad this is being recorded because I we are going to get Chloe's evil cackle and release it as like ringtones. Uh, just get that out there as much as possible. I don't I, need this, Jeff. <laughs> We have genuinely just been watching some weird, weird horror films in the yes. last couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I have to say, I'm I'm very, in a way, I'm quite bummed because we had sort of, you know, projected that we would be doing this episode and that Chloe would be on and we'd be talking about our goofy horror weirdo crap that we were talking in a run-up for Halloween. And then I feel like I've watched, like, nearly nothing in that reign like really like, just disappointingly meager adam, you went to black adam like, that's what you chose yeah that's right so you, you chose the hierarchy of power changing in the dc universe. see i love that phrase i'm so bummed <laughs> this is the other thing that we haven't like i was going to introduce chloe by saying the hierarchy of power in the white what universe has changed and i'm like dudes we can only use this phrase for so much longer i feel like we just sat on it too long and, and this, this, <laughs> after this weekend it's, it's not gonna be a thing although apparently it's a success 
as we're recording this, apparently it's done well in its first couple of days. Oh, so. whatever. Like, come on. They're like, please. They they pulled in like twenty eight million or something. No one knows how, what what sounds like a good figure anymore. Like they're like, well, oh, it might break it's, it's sixty really, million for the weekend, maybe. It's really funny because sixty million uh, is their projection, and that's actually a hit. Yeah, right, because right. it's more than a Dwayne Johnson film has ever made, like one that he's carrying, right? Yeah. Um, but, they're like, six million, that's going to be a hit. Like, we might hit 70, then we're a super hit. Right. And then they were like, Marvel projects $175 million for Black Panther 2. Right? I mean, like, just, seriously. Just them. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, like, Doctor Strange and the Yoo-Hoo of Madness opened at, like, $68 million, and that's a character no one likes played by an actor no one likes in that role in a movie tying up plot threads that nobody cared about. So, I mean, also it, part of me it, is like, it, yeah. For real, uh, if Black Adam makes around 60, 70, that's actually doing well. Like, um, sure. no, no, for, no, 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 no. But like yeah. Eternals opens the same time last year and got like around that as well. Yeah. So if it really does make on par with like a mid-level Marvel movie, that's actually doing pretty well. Yeah. DC is doing great. <laughs> right. Right. No, exactly. And, and I, but, but part of me is also like they they spent I feel like Michael Keaton and Batman level advertising dollars on this like the saturation. Oh, when we know. were in New York, you could not go anywhere for seeing posters of Black Adam. Yeah, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. Like they were everywhere. Mm. Didn't really. The worst thing is, and this might just be me being old. The more I saw the posters of, like, it's the Justice Society, the more I realized that, like, it looked really fucking dumb and cheap. Yeah, I thought so, too, honestly. Like, I like, was like... Like, I love Aldous Hodge a lot, but Aldous Hodge's Hawkman just looks goofy as shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, Hawk, Hawkman is one of those great mysteries of... It can look so great on the page, but I just... It can, I, it can. It, I swear to God, it can. I mean, but it also. But see, here's the thing. But it can also look either dull or just flat out stupid. You know what I mean? And more often than not, let's face it, it's somewhere between two and three. And every once in a while, someone can carry it off. But like in three dimensions, somebody with a with a bird head on top of their head just looks like an idiot. And you're just not gonna I mean, fuck off wings as well, right? Right. Exactly. A guy wearing a bandolier. And some pants and wings, right? And so there, because you could have just been talking about Zardoz. Zardoz. <laughs> okay, let's face it; that would be awesome. Come on, take the classic Zardoz design, Your apply it to all hair. the DC Universe movies. Okay, the hierarchy of chest hair in the MCU has to change. Yeah, it has what to not- change. Yep. What not so good with your computers? If you can uh, take a clip of Zardoz and just CGI on some wings, <laughs> then let's see if if Sean Connery in 1975 can carry it off or not. Oh, of course he can. I mean, that's it. He basically was like, I'm going to run around in a red pleather diaper and a handgun, you know, and he still kind of almost carries it off. At that point... Just gild the lily, you know, like fucking like put on some roller skates and Photoshop them into Olivia Newton, John and Fred Astaire's scene in Xanadu. He can still pull it off. That's no, seriously, that is a triumph of chest hair. And I mean, Connery's chest hair in particular, but like, oh, 
I will not have you besmirching Zardoz for one thing. So, because I mean, nobody's besmirching anything, Jeff. Calm down. <laughs> I, I, I the trailer for Zardoz, which is permanently stuck in my brain. Is yeah. it because the way they say Zardoz? Yes, with the, the Zardoz. 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 I just like, okay, this is not. Oh, Jeff, you know the one thing I did see the Frankenstein comic swap that I was almost tempted, but it was just a little bit too pricey? Someone had the entire run of the Planet of the Apes magazines from the 70s. Ooh, yeah, and that's not cheap at all. So, although it might have been cheaper, I mean, that's the thing. They're probably selling it in advance of, like, they already had their eyes set on the the Marvel oh. Omnibus or whatever. I mean, all those things have been collected by, published by, boom, I want to say. Because so, you bought them. Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I, <laughs> why, yes, I did. Possibly in two formats. So, oh, you know. Never change, Jeff. Yeah, right? You Wouldn't know. Like Wouldn't you like the originals? I have some of the originals. I actually have a handful of originals that I bought uh, and, and kept as a... Um, uh, I've still got tucked away in the garage somewhere. So, yeah. No, I love those originals, man. Like, so, yeah. I, not a lot of them, mind you. Just a few of them. But that's part of how I know, like, they're stinking expensive. And like, nothing's better than watching, like... Don McGregor and Tony Isabella have to figure out how to write an entitled article around like the same five PR <laughs> shots. Like, exactly. it's just here's so another good. still of Roddy McDowell. Yeah, right? So good. Tell so good. Roddy McDowell without a plastic ape mask and with a plastic <laughs> ape mask. It's surprisingly hard. Yep, exactly. Exactly. You know, nothing, just just watching someone, like, it makes sense that these guys later, like, Chris Claremont went on to conquer comics because one of his first assignments was, like, what's interesting about James Franciscus, you know? Like, that guy, that's, like, once you've cleared that hurdle, you know what I mean? Like, the mainstream comics industry is a piece of cake. So, uh, anyway, spooky movies or weirdo movies or weird yeah, spooky so what movies. What have you watched then, if you haven't been watching all the spooky movies? Well, I, okay. For, uh, part of the problem was just some ridiculous hellishness leading up into... I've actually spent a ton of time with comics, mainly because I would have days where I would come home from work and literally was just like, I, I can't deal with any sort of auditory input stimulus at all. I just need to, you know, go into my fugue state with my comic books. That being said, today I finally watched uh, His House. Did you guys watch that oh, on Netflix? Oh my God, how did you like that? You know, I thought, I, well, I thought I thought the first half was pretty great and then, then I kind of got, I mean, one thing that's great about it is it's like an hour and 33 minutes, so it just flies yeah. by which is terrific. But on the other hand, I kind of felt like maybe there was some material uh, missing. So I started off being like, oh, this is great. And then I'm like, is it though? And then at the end, I'm like, oh, okay. This, yeah, this kind of works. This kind of works. Like um, there's valleys, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, did you feel the same or did you really yeah. not like it? Yeah. Well, I watched it when it first came out and I, I I'd have to rewatch it because what was that last year or year before? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, what is time? Uh, but no, I remember really liking it. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't remember there being any like crazy pacing problems or anything. But I absolutely trust and believe that there might be. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I think I, weekend, so, I, mean. I did. Well, I think the other thing that that is a problem that is it's a Jeff problem, not a his house problem was I got my because someone's going to be traveling on a plane soon. I went and got my bivalent booster this morning and uh, I was watching, like I said, it's like a very short movie and I could barely stay awake. So I think part of the problem, like I said, was literally like I finished watching that movie and I just went and took a nap. So I don't, (laughs) I think maybe the pacing problems weren't also if I watch like horror movies, like relatively dark horror movies, and I'm not watching them at night, I'm just setting myself up for despair because our TV is just so stupidly reflective. Um, And so it's like it closed everything. So there's a lot of great stuff in that movie, really creepy scenes where he's like, you know, reaching into the walls of their new house and pulling weirdness out. And I'm just kind of like, Wait, what? What's happening? Who? What is that? Like, uh, wait, is that his arm? Like, wh- what's going on? Like, that, so that is it? Like, we've done that. So yeah, we watched yeah. films where you can't actually see what's happening, and you're like, this maybe might be scary, right? So I think that I think that also kind of bummed me out and counted against. But I I kind of love the I love the setup of it, and the performances were really fucking great. Um, yeah. speaking of really good performances uh the the pretty remarkable but um series of diminishing returns that is mike flanagan's midnight mass which again on netflix like what a year old if not more um which is the kids love that one jeff yeah no and i gotta say i i honestly i i uh Adored the first three or four episodes because one of the things I like about Mike Flanagan is that that guy is just he is sincere as shit. So the idea that he's like I'm gonna do like sort of my fanfic version of uh, Salem's Lot, but I'm gonna ha- use it as like a serious, serious fucking uh, miniseries to work out my issues about uh, my you know being raised Catholic is really good. Like there is, there's good performances. There's some fabulous, uh, debates about religion that go on between, uh, the priest and the atheist. And, and, and also I really like, if you watch that movie, Flanagan is just like his, his, uh, his visual storytelling is, I just adore it. Like you can just look on it and you could practically teach a class on, on uh, mise-en-scene on it. Like literally people saying things with things framed always in the background. Like it's always super contextual. So my formalist brain really loved it, but then it just was kind of paced sort of poorly. So by the end, Oh, hold on a second. The pug's losing his shit. Good grief. He was so well behaved for so much of today, and now he's just losing his little pug brain. Um, it just it just kind of fell apart because it's kind of you know Salem's Lot really is kind of unbeatable in the sense of like oh it's a small town that falls prey to vampires, and then everyone kind of you know the people who who get plucked off and turned into vampires those scenes are creepy, and then the remaining good guys as they get you know bumped off it's just. It's so well structured, and here in Midnight Mass, it's kind of like, ah, uh, yeah, we kind of, 
Yeah, we sort of ran out of time. I, you know what? Let's have people run around uh, a lot in smoke, and then at a certain point, Henry Thomas is going to show up and help sing. I don't remember what a friend we have in Jesus or something while they all burst into flame. And it was kind of like, I mean, there's plenty of seventies horror movies that end exactly the same way. Like Jesus Christ superstar, for example. And I, and I'm into them, but I don't know. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't quite work, but there, there really is. There's stuff where it's just great. And I just, I love how seriously into like, like Mike Flanagan is like such the genre fanboy who is like, I am absolutely 100% going to tell a story about, you know, the importance of spirituality and how it continues to get derailed and corrupted, you know, with a montage set to a Neil Diamond song. And I, that just speaks to my heart in like See, that, really. That, you kind of sold it on me right there at the end. Yeah. Also, the mention of Henry Thomas weirdly sold it on me. I was like, really, Elliot? Yeah. Um, my takeaway, however, is you like Jesus Christ Superstar? No, I, I actually, I, I just always love talking about Jesus Christ Superstar. One of the things I was going to actually ask you guys was. What's, um, what's, what's happening? Yeah, it's what's happening. What's happening? What's going on? No, uh, uh, no. I was gonna, I was gonna ask. You know, since it's the spooky time, I'm kind of curious. I, in my brain, had always assumed they came out the same year, but in fact, in three consecutive years in the '70s, you had three horror movie musicals, and so my theory is sort of in that weird like let's all separate people into groups and fight one person is like you you can only pick one of the three as your favorite horror movie musical and so i posit to I you think guys of two. what's the third wicker man phantom of the paradise rocky horror picture show go oh, phantom of the paradise easy hands down uh rocky horror Nice, you guys, and I would have picked the Wicker Man. Hey, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hadn't seen the Phantom of the Paradise in a like I saw it years, like decades ago, and, and then, then we watched and it. And then I really made recently. you watch it like a, and it, couple, a couple of weeks ago, and it's, it fucking holds up. That yeah. Oh, it totally does. The film yeah. I remember at all, like at all, I'd forgotten maybe ninety percent of that film, and it's so good. It's really strong, isn't it? It's yes. uh, yeah. yeah enjoy it's it's up there with, and this sounds like I'm damning with, you know, not even fame praise, damning with criticism, but like it's up there with Beyond the Valley of the Dolls for yeah, me. It's it's totally. that sort of like camp dated disaster that I adore. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. It yeah. Was so, it was such yeah. a fun film. Yeah, it's it's got some great stuff, I got to admit. So, yeah. And it, horror is part of I your mean, DNA. Yeah, Rocky Horror is kind of built in for me. I started going to the midnight showings when I was 14. Uh, wow. And, like, the second I turned 18, I joined one of the shadow casts. Mm. Uh, the, uh, Columbia. And Oh, my God. I should have written this down in an envelope. I swear <laughs> to God I could have pegged that. Okay. Uh-huh. But, like, it's uh, not to, to be too soppy, but it was, like, absolutely one of those movies where, um, 
whether it came to like sex and sexuality or gender or expression or art or whatever, that was one of the first places when I was like a teenager coming up and figuring out who I was, where it was like, oh my God, I'm not a fucking freak. And if I am a fucking freak, then I'm not a freak by myself. Look at well, all that's the for people sure. that are yeah. here. Right, like, right. So like going to those midnight movies were were 100% like responsible for for uh for, all for of, all of this. <laughs> right? Um yeah. I I love the idea that I could see the hand gesture go up and down whether you did it or not. So. Again, in like what, 5 days you're going to be able to see it in person. I am. We're just to distract for two seconds. We're so excited you're coming to visit. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so, thank you. I am too. I am too. It's going to be great. I sort of wish it was longer because I really had thought that I would be able to, you know, sort of split the time between being an ultra hermit and hanging out with you guys. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to get enough uh, ultra hermit time in there. So, which is, which okay, is fine, we'll, but I'm we'll very excited. Right. All of your time will just take a lot of it. That's, uh, which is um, you should you should think up some wacky ass movies that we can watch while you're oh yeah there. like Ooh. have we talked to, to you about movie madness before the video store uh you have yes that's right you okay. have yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. because well, basically like it's okay, been for, for context for the whatnots uh who are not in portland oregon or haven't been to portland oregon um Movie Madness is this amazing uh, video rental shop that still exists here. And we are wonderfully like 10 blocks away from it. Yeah, we're really close. Um, And they host about 30,000 films. No, it's 80,000. They host 80,000 movies. Um, And they have shit from like stuff that's just come out on dvd down to like movies that only have 10 copies in existence they have they have so many films and so many tv shows and uh like it's just it's from around the world from around the world and it's a magical magical wonderland of a place it's also a fucking maze um but it's uh (laughs) It is a magic movie wonderland. You can get literally, if a movie's out of print, they don't give a shit. They have it. Yeah, it's... that's my favorite place. The good old LaVideo in San Francisco was so, exactly so Jeff, the same. Imagine LaVideo, but like twice the size. Yeah. Oh, oof. Right. We're just going to let you loose with oh, man. movie Yeah, no, 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 that was kind of the plan. The plan was like, for real, like we should just go. Yeah. I get some like weird shit to watch. That would be great. No, I'm really looking forward to it. I I can't believe it really has been like literally you're not, years you're not here in years, like four years. Is it four? God, it probably yeah. is four. Right? Yeah, no, it really is. It was. It, no, it was probably three and a half. Yeah, I think that's it was right. Probably early in 2019. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's it's been it's been a long, long time for real. Man, uh, yeah. So yeah. you're long overdue, but also we're going to take you to the video store that has almost everything. <laughs> and, so can go, this is overwhelming, and then look at all the props they have. They have alien heads, like from Alien. Wow. They have the 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 ear from Blue Velvet, too. Yeah, they have the ear from Blue Velvet. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> that got that reaction. That thrills me. Man. <laughs> I just had that moment. I'm like, oh, my God, guys, let's all dress up as the ear from Blue Velvet for Halloween. <laughs> um. Sorry, I talked to us about the Wicker Man then, Jeff. Like I, we talked yes. about. Oh about, right, 
Phantom yeah, of Paradise and, and, and Rocky Horror. <laughs> well, I think it was so funny because I feel like it's just such a, um, you know, amusing transition. Like, Chloe's like, yes, and at least if I was a freak, I wasn't a freak alone. And I'm like, yes. And now The Wicker Man, the, the movie in which the freak is alone. And um, <laughs> it, The Wicker Man is a delightful uh, – I, I, I just think of it as such a perfectly constructed uh, little – horror film it is about for those who don't know a um highly repressed by the books uh religious policeman who uh flies out to a um deserted well deserted a very remote scottish island um to investigate a letter that was sent that uh that basically a mother was saying that her daughter had uh, gone missing and it was being covered up. And as he investigates, he's basically exposed to the the island has has never rejected paganism. Uh, the pagan traditions have been reintroduced by Lord Summer Isle, the 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 ruling Scottish lord of the island, played with a plum by Christopher Lee, and um. It's just, it's kind of a, just, I just love so much about it. I think it's, it's really delightfully, um, constructed. It's kind of, it's very much in that vein of sort of, hmm, I feel like the seventies, it doesn't get a lot of, uh, uh, coverage, but there's sort of a, there's sort of a genre called, I don't know, cheeky paranoid thriller i guess that kind of runs <laughs> way to put around it. the fringes part of it's like we also watched invasion of the body snatchers remake this week yeah. so cheeky paranoid thriller from the oh 70s. my god yes in san Fr- the san francisco yeah, version yeah, 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 yeah that is fabulous and yeah exactly a little bit almost of what i'm t- talking about i mean you know one of the things that's fun about the wicker man is it's it's kind of got the contours of every standard AIP like the kids and their crazy rock and roll is going driving civilization you know off the deep end except here it's like reversed and so everyone's merrily participating in you know um phallic flowering orgy ceremonies and uh and it's and it is incredibly hard for the guy who plays the equalizer. I, I, I'm I blocking Wood. on his name. Edward Wood, 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 Wood. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, and he, he really does. He just, he just plays it great. I just, I, I love all, all of that film. And again, it's, it's part of it is the construction, but I think that it is also ultimately a, um, I think, I think, I think it speaks to me as a, you know, desolate teen, even though I didn't see it until I was as well into my grown ass manhood, which is to say that, um, it's, it's a movie that is willing to concede that, um, uh, that both sides might be right or both sides might be wrong in fact. And so the, 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 the twist shock ending of the movie really can be just, downright almost painfully cynical but i do i i really i do adore it as sort of uh as that 
you know, it in its ultra formalism um, and also kind of its portrait of um, basically turning the tables around so that the eternal outsider um, is the exact opposite of who you would expect, you know, so it's great. I'm so sad that you mentioned Christopher Lee and Edward Woodward because I was going to pretend that you were talking about the remake starring Nicolas Cage. Yes, bees. <laughs> Why did it have to be bees? Oh my god, I fucking I wasn't going to watch that, and then I finally did, and and it really was. It was genuinely upsetting. Like again, in that sort of, you know, the your friends and neighbors in the company of men guy unsurprisingly condescended to the material, but it also was just kind of like, you know, his whole like, hmm, how am I going to find my way into the wicker men? Let me see. Do I hate pagans? No, I don't, but I do hate women. I think I can really turn this around. Yeah. I think, I think I should really be able to do something with this. If we just switch it from pagans to women. Oh, I'm totally in on this, you know? And so, Oh, Eh. And then weirdly enough, the guy, you know, because it became such a cult hit, the director was like, hey, I'm crowdfunding a sequel, The Return of the Wicker Man. Like, check out my, yeah, and he's like, check out my test footage or whatever it was that he was trying to raise money with. And it was like, you know, the classic, to borrow borrow one of Graham's catchphrases, oh dear. Like, it was, (laughs) it was so profoundly not good. Yeah, mm mm-hmm. Do you know what else we watched this week? I'm we watched a film called Vampire's Kiss. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, mm-hmm. Another film that made me think that maybe I'd had a stroke. That movie makes me impossibly happy. Uh. <laughs> have, have you seen Vampire's Kiss anytime recently? No, I have to admit, I heard about it when it came out, and I'd never got around to seeing it. So I still haven't seen Vampire's Kiss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, it Th- features one of the all-time greatest Nicolas Cage performances, and that's not sarcasm. But yeah. it, part of it is because Nicolas Cage is 100% in a different film from everyone else in that film. He's right. No, that's that's some, like, uh, some ridiculous, like, think really terrifying method actor meets... 1990s Jim Carrey overacting. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Attempts to do, I'm convinced he was <gasps> yeah, channeling. Yeah, Carrie Grant. What yeah, is it, Carrie Grant? Carrie Grant. I think he's pretending to be Carrie Grant in the whole thing. Well, really? Because he has really? a weird accent wow. for the whole thing that is inexplicable. Wow. Unless he's trying to be Carrie Grant. Right? And there's some crazy slapstick in it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plot is, he is a high-powered executive who has a one night stand with a vampire and slowly turns into a vampire. Right. It's a quote unquote comedy. The twist is at the end of it, maybe he's just had a nervous breakdown and none of the vampire stuff has actually happened. Yes. What, what has actually happened for sure is he's definitely killed at least one person. Mm. Mm-hmm. Waka waka waka. Yeah, exactly. Woo hoo hoo. Yeah, no, I remember being really into Vampire's Kiss in a oh shit, I gotta see this because Nicolas Cage had kind of blown my mind in Valley Girl of all things. And I just and, watched it <laughs> Oh really? Are you on yeah. a are you on a cage kick? Is it I, uh you know- yeah, because I, I I have Raising Arizona on the list too. Because like that era of, of Nicolas Cage just does it for me. I couldn't tell well, you, you why. Because yeah. you absolutely yeah. want to fuck Nicolas Cage from that era. 
Well, yeah, but it, it has to go deeper than that. It has yeah. to. <laughs> we say that, but you also watch Cat People, and your takeaway was Malcolm O'Dell was a bit of all right, and so was Natasha Kinski. So, <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's hard to walk away from that remake of Cat People with anything else. You know what I mean? Like, it really is, with all due respect, Paul Schrader, like, his whole, like, ah, I'm going to make a movie that says everything about sexuality is, like, uh, I think it really says, like, I don't want to be a part of Paul Schrader's sexuality. You know what I mean? But, I mean, that's just me. I don't know. Yeah, they, to be fair, they are a bit of all right, both of them, though. Oh, <laughs> no, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Like, I absolutely 1981 was one that came out, or no, yeah, yeah. 82? So Malcolm McDowell McDowell was still in his period where he was like very like long, dark eyelashes and androgyny, Mm -hmm. which, ah, ah, come on. Like (laughs) Malcolm McDowell basically didn't age between like, like if and a lucky man until like then. And then all of a sudden he became an old man. And then all of a sudden he was the villain in Tank Girl and we gave up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the space of like five years, he just got like thirty years older. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was probably the fallout from Caligula. I'm sure. Uh, form of guys Caligula, and I'm all man as I am no man, and therefore I am a god. Give this man an Oscar. I'm into it. <laughs> you go, Grandma. I was not expecting you to that just happen there. Break that out. That is awesome. Uh, well, so Chloe, how do you feel about, cause the thing that, the thing about Vampire's Kiss that I like is sort of, it's Nicolas Cage, uh, caging it up on sort of a s- relatively small, what you call an indie movie sort of thing, oh, but he it, goes. Caging it up, Jeff, like for real, there's, there's a scene where he just recites the alphabet, which is. I'm sorry, is your name Chloe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Uh, but I was also going to say, can you please do your Nicolas Cage impression from the okay, end of the film? No, I will show my Nicolas Cage impression, my unhinged, totally feral Nicolas Cage impression. I will show that to you when you are here because it is a a oh, hand, It's, it's, it's a, a visual. Hand, it yeah. It's got to be a visual thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm like, I, I, the entire, like, last quarter of that movie was me going, oh my god, mood. Like... <laughs> It's mood, <laughs> just falling the fuck apart, and just being like, "Hell yeah, I'm a vampire, gonna turn over my couch and pretend it's a coffin." <laughs> <laughs> Carries around a bit of wood and is mm-hmm. just like, "I'm here to yell at people and kind of talk like this because I have fake vampire fangs in my mouth that I won't take out." <laughs> He goes to okay, so he's convinced he's a vampire, right? And so right. he goes to this costume shop, and he um, and the guy gives him these like really really high end prosthetic fangs, and mm-hmm. he's like they're really sharp, they're really cool, they look all natural. And then Nicholas Cage remembers that he gave all of his money to a cab driver, so he's like, "Do you have anything cheaper?" Um, because it's the early uh, it's the early eighties, and we aren't really big on credit cards and all that shit yet. So he's like, yeah. "I don't have any cash. Do you have anything cheaper?" And the guy goes, yeah, we have these shitty little plastic ones. And you know the vampire teeth that used to be able to get in cereal boxes that are connected together? Yep. Um, And they're just plastic and they never fit over your teeth ever. Well, he buys those and then he just walks around for the rest of the movie with his mouth, like, unable to close and a fucking hair look in his eye. (laughs) Like, 
just like, oh my God, I feel this. This is every day. I understand <laughs> living my life. And he does. He wrecks his apartment and then turns his couch over and is like, yes, bleh, and then pulls it over. <laughs> that is too funny. And that I'm like, is when I have my fucking emotional breakdown. This is exactly how I want it to go. I love the fact that you've like, yes, this is like the other people. Other people have like a vision board for, I don't know, you know, goals they want to achieve. You're like, yeah, my breakdown vision board. And it's just like pictures of Nicolas Cage from like Vampire's <laughs> Kiss. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot. I'm sure your breakdown sure vision Nicolas board Cage is. Cage from Vampire's Kiss. George the, from the, Nightmare Weekend. George from Nightmare Weekend. The aura of Sherilyn Fenn from Boxing Helena. The aura. Nice. And, uh, and, and just a picture of the word fuck. Like <laughs> my personal heraldry. Oh, man. Jeff, have you seen Boxing Helena? I have not. Talk about Boxing Helena. Yeah, we did. We did. We're back on our our, I, our I infamous just, horny episode. Well, I'm bringing it up because Yay. the reason we've been to Movie Madness three times <laughs> in the last week is that Chloe's decided that she has to see Boxing Helena. It's because I'm writing something about it. To be I, fair, I know, but also because you literally said. This is my week of watching horny, scary movies. <laughs> oh, man. But someone keeps renting it, so we keep going back and it's, not, it's never there. Okay, so in its place, what have we watched? Let me tell you. Yes. <laughs> We've watched Vampire's Kiss, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Mysterious Skin. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, Mysterious Skin. Wow, Blood, okay. Which is scary for entirely separate reasons. Um, mm. Blood and Black Lace. Always, always a banger. Yeah. Uh, possession. Oh night- yeah. Yeah, the night porter. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. night porter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, Jeff gets it. Jeff fucking yeah. gets it. And yesterday, I just brought home Layer of the White Worm. <laughs> Chloe's never seen Layer of the White Worm, and I have. And I've tried to express how much of a bad idea Layer of the White Worm is. So they didn't have the devils. Yeah, but Layer of the White Worm is one of these films that. If you're basically of my generation and in my country, people were like, oh, it's so sexy. It's, uh, God, what was her name? Amanda Donahoe. Amanda Donahoe, that's right. Um, and she Notice the distance between Graham saying, what's that name? And I provided that name. That'll come into (laughs) play later. No, I remember very clearly. Your phoners sync up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, but she's topless and it's so sexy. And then you see the film and you're like, this is the opposite of sexy. What has happened? but... In my defense, every time... Possession was really sexy. Possession was not sexy. Uh, Possession is sexy in a really, really horrible, really disturbing, unhinged way to me. But... (laughs) Man, what a movie that is. Holy shit. It's it's intense. And you know what? It's a lot longer than I remember it being. Mm Mm-hmm. Possession was very intense for but real. Sam, I've never seen it for real. Sam Neill looks great in that movie. He looks great, and it's a fucking fantastic performance by him. I mean, of course, yeah. it's him and, and Isabella Johnny. They're both excellent. But, I mean, I knew going in that she was going to be great, but he was fucking terrific in it. I was yeah. not expecting how good he was in that. That was excellent. But, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's... um. But that that is Jeff, Jeff. Back me up. Layer of the White Worm is going to disappoint after all of that, right? Well, uh, okay, we're talking <laughs> among regular people. Yes, um, among Chloe. Like, we're, talk- 
Chloe. <laughs> Chloe, I'm really thinking is like if anyone besides Ken Russell can 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 get something out of Vampire's Kiss, it's going to be Chloe. Um, because you know, I mean, Amanda Donahoe is sexy as hell in that. Oh wait, have you guys? So wait, Chloe. So is Liquid Sky on the list? It, oh, it's... we watched Liquid Sky recently. Oh, okay. All right. Did. Yeah. You did. I wasn't. Yeah. Kidding. Yeah. That was one of the. Here's the thing. Every now and again, um, Chloe gets up really early with the dog because the dog needs to go out in the morning, and I stay in bed and sleep. And Chloe like goes downstairs with the dog at like five o'clock in the morning and watches weird shit before anyone else in the house is awake. Oh my god, Chloe! Yeah. I really do have to say there is something a little creepy about your ability to like channel me at 15 because uh, of course we had hbo and it was yes. kind of like they showed the hbo after hours stuff but everyone kept weird hours except if you got up early enough you could get the tail end of something scary and skeevy starring i don't know robert davi that you really shouldn't have been watching um shit that's like uh See, that's not far off from my experience either. I remember being like 16 and be like, oh, I'm 16 years old. I can't fucking sleep. Go downstairs, turn on the TV. What's that? Cat house. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but wait, no. Oh, oh, we didn't wait, get to... Wait, I know that Graham, Graham wait, is... I've had to watch Cat House because of this Graham one. is about to bring up the fact that I went to Movie Madness and says, do you guys have Cat House? The series? <laughs> and they were like, do we? <laughs> And so, yeah, did I have to sit through Cat House? Yes, I did. Ooh, oh, wow. Yeah, oh, and, wow. Uh, real real oh. sex as well. Also, what else did you write at the same time? The Anna Nicole Show. Yeah, the Anna Nicole Smith Show. Oh, my God. Chloe. Jeff, yeah. It's a wacky time in this house sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he came He came downstairs the other morning. Um, I can't remember what I was watching. I was watching, watching Mommy, Mommy Dearest. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just, and this, me, don't fellas. fuck with me, fellas. And I, uh, and, but he came down this morning, and I was watching Rosemary's Baby. So, oh, which is came. a great—that's a great Halloween movie. Honestly, oh, that's God. one that I would honestly, if I could pull it off too. I think I, I'm you thinking about this. I October 31st, I would love to watch Black Christmas because I think that would uh-huh. be such a good transition from Halloween into the Christmas season because I love that. But also. Rosemary's Baby is just such a hands down. That's another one, kind of like The Wicker Man, just absolutely fucking uh, devastating. And and I mean, it's it's better. The Wicker Man, I just as much as I adore it, it's it's no Rosemary's Baby, but Rosemary's holy ba- shit, that's good. Rosemary's Baby is watching this house on what an every six month basis. No, I probably watch it like every couple of months. It's it sounds horrible. It's one of my like comfort movies. It is one of my favorite films of all time. Like easily. Yeah. My top five favorite films ever made. Um, yeah. And I watch it like all the time. Yeah, I, I get it. It's just, it's so fucking good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I it just, is. It yeah. is. It's, it's fabulous. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was my comfort movie for yeah. about like two or three years where it was like pretty much every, if I didn't watch it every three months, I would get incredibly edgy. And then, and then just watching it like, I could literally feel like it was like a tonic on the soul, you know. I it's, understand. Yeah. I keep yeah. trying to get him to watch that and the second one with me. 
Um, I've seen the first one. I've not seen the second one. Oh, uh, we should watch the, the second one's fucking great. Okay. You know what? We should watch. Let's all watch the second oh, one because I've still never seen it. I've never seen the second one. So. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah. I'm so happy. Okay, this is gonna be the best. Um, but yeah, are we gonna have snacks? Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, Texas Chainsaw is just. I mean. Basically, any movie where I can be like, oh, my God, uncomfortable and gender. Yes, good. Mm. And Texas Chainsaw <laughs> does that for me. Uh, like, Jeff, did you see X? The, the recent oh, X? Yeah. Oh, no, I wanted to very much. Yeah, but it did not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was that it, any good? It has, for really me, it has good. sort of Texas Chainsaw vibes. That and uh, Mia Goth is serving serious Shelley Duvall. Which you Ooh, are very, very yeah. happy. Yeah, in um, yeah, it was good stuff. Oh, uh, what there's there's one more movie that I wanted to ask Jeff. Have you seen the new Hellraiser? No, I haven't. And and as you may recall, and I I want to throw up the appropriate flags. We did have a whole conversation around the Cronenberg stuff about kind of, you know, like this stuff doesn't quite do it for me. And Clive Barker does not turn my crank. So every time I just, I can't, I love the idea of the Hellraiser stuff in theory. And then in practice, every time I start watching it, I just, it, I just get embarrassed. So, so how, how is it? Did you enjoy it? Did it work for you? I mean, I really enjoy, I really enjoy uh, at least the first three Hellraisers, the gaps of my, in my knowledge kind of tipple, like taper off after that. Um, but I really enjoy the first three original Hellraiser movies Mm -hmm. being said the new one, I was bored (laughs) and I feel really bad saying that because, uh, Jamie Clayton, who plays the new pinhead hell priest, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call her is Is so good and is so sexy and Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, her voice. Oh my God. I would do anything. Flay me. I don't give a shit. Like, I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but and I like the new Cenobite designs a lot. Um, but that's but, man, it. but that's really about it. Like the story left me kind of flat, and it's not gory enough, and it's not really kinky enough in the same way that the original Hellraiser stuff is either. Right. Um, I don't know. It didn't. It, it didn't... was one of those ones that you weren't sure about, and the, the further away you got, the more you disliked it. Yeah, it's like the Night House. Remember the Night House? Yeah, you said the same I, thing. I watched it. I watched it and was like, "Huh, that was pretty cool. That was fine." And then a day later, I was like, "Huh." Ah. And then, like, now we're like a week out from having watched it, and I'm like, "That was fucking boring." <laughs> <laughs> I love being able to give myself the distance between movies is really helpful. But it does, like, I'm, I'm like, actually, that wasn't great. I just wanted it to be great, and I was bored. Right. Um, right. But yeah. it looks, it looks fine and yeah i like the cenobites and that's the case for every movie though but like mm. everything else just kind of left me like Bleh. that's it As well we make, that's what you get from having a hulu remake and then remember prey was amazing prey prey, fucking prey's, yeah. prey's probably like the prey best predator film yeah yeah <laughs> yeah right which i still haven't seen actually oh, yeah, oh jeff, come on. jeff i know yeah i know it, i know make time to watch prey because it's like really legitimately great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have we jeff talked about the um mark kermode book about what's it called the 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 Hatch movie a job. Hatch a job the movie review book no i don't think so mark kermode's a movie reviewer in the uk and he wrote a book called Hatch job which is in theory a defense of bad reviews by which he means like negative reviews right right 
Um, and one of the things, there's an entire chapter devoted to the fact that you're allowed to change your mind about films. Mm-hmm. Right? And he mentions, I think it was Newsweek, the reviewer saw Bonnie and Clyde and wrote a really negative review. And then the next week wrote, the same reviewer wrote, a, like, I was entirely wrong. This is a masterpiece review. Right. Right. Um, and just Chloe there talking about, you know, a week later I realized I, I hated the film. Uh, has really made me spend a lot of time thinking about like, oh, changing your mind's actually great. It's really good to go back yeah. and change your mind. Yeah. You know, I, I I agree. I absolutely agree. I just think that the the two things that, and this is maybe just me being old and cranky, is I have to be careful because I feel like hmm, a lot of times I sort of change my mind for the negative i suppose you know like i watch it later and i was like oh okay i was young i get it you know and that's kind of a little i don't know that that's always fine, feels though. like a bummer what's that that's fine though and uh, here's no, the thing agreed. it might be an absolute bummer but mm-hmm. like any okay this is where i get stupid about it i'm like any any good art that has an effect should change as you get older. It can continue to be a good change. Oh, agreed. Um, agreed. Yeah. But, or like as you, as you age and you gain more experience and you see life differently and all of, and you get to know different types of people and all this other shit, like how you interact with stuff that you loved when yes. you were younger is going to be entirely fucking different because you're just not that person anymore. Right. And right. then sometimes you can watch the same thing that you loved and go like, oh yeah, no, this still fucking rules, but it rules in a different way than when I was 16. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? No, agreed. I, yep. I, I have very strong feelings about like very strong feelings about like aging in relation to how we interact with our nostalgia and shit. Cause that's it's so valuable and it's also okay to be like oh i used to love this but man on a rewatch this is fucking garbage right. you can still appreciate yeah it. you can still appreciate it on the nostalgia point absolutely right? there's a lot of stuff that uh, it's honestly especially when it comes to, like movies mm-hmm. where i'm like this is shit however i loved this as a kid mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, I i was going to say back to the future and i think people would absolutely blame me for that but the back to the future sequels at least i think oh, yeah. are, are not, right but like i do have a I love this way back when. Well, I was going to say, for me, it was like Hocus Pocus. I loved Hocus Pocus growing up. I loved it in well into my 20s. And I did a rewatch of the original one last year, knowing that they were doing the one that, they're, that they've just put out now. And it fucking, it sucked. It was awful. Like, mm. it was kind of funny and goofy and stuff. But it wasn't a good movie in the same way that I remember it being. Yeah. Even, I don't know, seven years ago? Um and that's fine. And I just want, huh, yeah, no, this was great when I was younger. And I can appreciate that for what it is because uh, Kathy and Jimmy can rule the comedy heart of my life. But that's it. We'll leave it there. Oh, and uh, and uh, what's his face? Um, Doug Jones as well. You do love the, Doug Jones. I do and, love and Doug and Jones. Yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah. a that's a lovely. I feel like I of course have to match this. I'm like, what kind of cinematic? Like, oh, I love this, and then looking at it later, oh, I, I realize it doesn't hold up. It's a layer of the white worm, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, man, I just I don't I don't know because there was a lot of stuff where I was like, 
Like, there was stuff where I was like, oh, I like this, but this is, you know, somewhat suspect, kind of. You know, like, sort of... Um... <laughs> well, you know, I will have to say, actually, um, one movie that I thought was absolutely fabulous, fabulous and adored upon release, and I watched it a few years back, and I was like, eh, is, um, is Raising Arizona, where I absolutely was... <laughs> so into it and and when i rewatched i'm like eh, it's kind of it's kind of flat i mean part of it that i think could well be that um i don't know that the coens were able to take so much of what they did in raising arizona and and kind of go farther with it and so therefore it's kind of uh uh you know, kind of like, the, you know, it it feels like it should have the same hit. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is kind of this is sort of a this is sort of a weaker T. Like they've totally trained me to accept a higher, you know, the one that actually is really hard for me on that was Barton Fink, which used to be like one of my favorite Coen Brother I, I, movies. I, I remember you loving Barton Fink like religiously. Yeah. And and then I was like rewatch it. I'm like, ooh, yeah, it doesn't. Doesn't quite hold up. Doesn't quite work out. You know, my my brother Tim, who is um, even more ridiculously acerbic and um, uh, just cynical about movies, I he really did make the case for Miller's Crossing. You know, when I was singing the praises of Barton Fink, he's like, you know what? I think I think Miller's Crossing, which came out at the same time, is is the better movie. And I was like, what? That's ridiculous! Ah! And then I watched it. I was like. Okay, yeah, okay, he's probably, yeah, he's probably right on that one, so, you know. So anyway, Raising Arizona may well end up being, like, I may end up watching it again, maybe in five or six days, and be like, what am I talking about? This is great. Yeah, see, you know. Jeff, I, I've watched Raising Arizona within the past at least two years, um, mm -hmm. and let me, I think maybe the problem here is, is that you're not enough of a dyke to appreciate Holly Hunter. Dude, and... are you? Whoa, Chloe, we're gonna have to throw down. Like, like you take those words out of your mouth. I've been ride or die for Hunter since broadcast <laughs> news and raising Arizona, and I swear to God, this is don't... the one man like the lifeless ordinary. Come on! Oh man! Yes, yeah. she's hot in that. Oh my God! Honestly, it's always a bummer because I feel like Holly Hunter just didn't have the sexual energy in Crash that I wanted. You know what I mean? I like maybe it's just to get me. Get the fuck out of here! What are you talking about? I don't know. It just didn't. I just hey, didn't. No, she just. This, I, Jeff, what you have to understand is one of the people on this call, and it's not you or me, <laughs> firmly believes that James Spader was. What did you call him? I, I don't know. I think you called him like a sexy little goblin man. Yeah, <laughs> in both Flash and Secretary. And both of those are like perfect movies. Oh, for I made I made some some poor person uh, on the Read Pop team really really uncomfortable uh, over New York Comic Con because we were talking about movies, and I was like, "Have any of you seen Secretary?" And they were like, "No, what's that?" And I was like, "And what I wish my fucking life was." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, discomfort! No, no, no! I mean, I think. One of the oh, things that actually God. is really hard for me about Crash and is that I feel that both Elias Coteus and James Spader are very are incredibly like 
sexy and creepy and interesting, but like, but like kind of, they kind of have an erotic energy to them. And I just don't, I just didn't feel that way with the female leads in Crash for whatever reason. Is that Deborah that's Unger? Part of that the is? point. But to be fair, like we were making uh, many jokes about James Vader's girlfriend in that film, about yeah. how she basically literally just lies there for the entire yeah, film and, and has an incredibly flat Yeah, but that's the point. I know, but it's it's like... You We've do... talked about Crash on here before. I, know. I I feel so bad every time I'm on here. I'm like, man, that Cronenberg and his holes, am I right? But... <laughs> Oh, dude! Oh. The great thing about it, Chloe, is is that I think every time you come on here, you you just have to put in blank and those holes. Am I right? Like you really have managed okay. to show up, and it's like an infestation of goblin yeah. energy every yeah. time. That's just on here, nowhere else. <laughs> Jeff, I want to say, like, while we're bringing up recurring themes in Waybot, would you like to talk about Chewbacca? Um, yeah, I'm not sure what you mean, Graham. I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> really? You, you don't know what? You don't remember? <laughs> you know, it's actually a bummer because I thought about, in fact, I will before I come to Portland. I'm going to go back to that hardware store and take a picture of that goddamn Chewbacca. Please don't make me start laughing about this I again. I, I could work I love y'all, but I do not listen to this fucking podcast. What are you talking what about? What? Why not? My <laughs> God, we talk about Sorry. things you I, like. I, I, for people like you who don't. You'll find out in a few days. Awesome. Because Jeff will start crying again. Yeah, I probably I, will. I probably like, will. He actually had to stop recording because Jeff. Oh, wait, this not... is the thing you yes, were telling yes, me about the yes, other day. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, holy yeah. shit. Um, oh, my God. Still to this day. Jeff. Oh, mm, yes. You want me to blow your mind? Yes. This is ostensibly a comic podcast, and we haven't mentioned comics beyond saying that you read some. Oh, I know. I It's totally great. We are one hour and 20 minutes in, and this was going to be the podcast where you guys were going to summarize New York Comic Con. And I think you pretty much did by the, <laughs> the small snapshot of Chloe talking about how uncomfortable she made a, a Reed Pop employee, which I just love. Uh, let's see. New York Comic Con. What can we say? What can we say? How do you say? I talked to this? Dennis fucking Kitchen. You talked to yes. Dennis Bisley. Yes. In, in like two days, in the space of two days. In the same day. Was it the same day? Yeah, it was the exact same day. I went and talked to Dennis Kitchen, who is, of course, the grandfather uh, or father, I guess, of, of, of underground, of underground comics. comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and man, he is just an incredibly, incredibly cool guy. Um, talk about a font of knowledge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he was also selling a bunch of undergrounds at his table, which I love. Um, and yet you didn't buy any. It's because I was in a hurry. Um, and uh, so that was that was kind of amazing, and especially since I was doing it uh, for Popverse freelancing, because I like to make money uh, working as primarily as a nonprofit. I like to make money elsewhere. And yeah. um, but the good news is is that he actually followed up with an email afterwards and was like i really enjoyed your interview style do you want to do something for your own site and i was wow. like yeah i do are you kidding me yeah and then of course when i emailed him back i was like here's my normal interview style that's not for like a corporate thing and i sent him the interview that i did with simon bisley at the same show there we go and, uh and he was tickled oh my god i love simon I just think he's marvelous. I, We've I, done an interview before. 
for those who aren't aware of this this ridiculous story, I did an interview with Bisley about a year and a half ago. Um, just reached out and was like, I really want to talk to you. Can we do that? We did a Zoom call. He spent two hours of what was supposed to be a 30-minute phone call just absolutely taking the piss out of me. Mm-hmm. And then, and then um, you had a second call. Yeah, and then basically just kind of kept in touch with me over a couple of weeks. And I kept adding on to this interview over and over, and it ended up being this big two-part thing. And then, like, we kind of kept in touch on and off. And then, um, and then of course, I'm doing... I don't don't mean to boast. It's the coolest thing I've ever said in my life. I was doing an Alan Grant retrospective podcast for 2000 AD with um, with uh, Dan Raspler. Dan Raspler and uh, yeah, Graham blew my mind when he said that. I was like, Dan Raspler and Garth Ennis. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Dan, in passing, mentioned like, "Oh, I went and said hi to Bisley downstairs," and I said, "Pause." Excuse me. Uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, no, he's tabling down an artist alley." I said, "Okay, that wasn't on the program. This must be new." I go down there, and of course, like Simon's sitting there drawing, and I was like, "Hi, I'm Chloe. We've talked before." He was like, "I fucking know who you are." <laughs> so, uh, we ended up doing an interview the next day where it was uh, he and I closed in this eight by eight box. Essentially, <laughs> and it was honestly, it was just a joy. But how did that conversation end? Oh yeah, um, the probably the coolest thing that's ever happened to me, and so few people I feel can say that uh, that uh, Simon Bisley introduced me to Kevin Eastman and was like, "You should do an interview with her." Yeah, that's awesome. That's you should awesome. do an interview with her. She does. She's she's really good to talk to. You should talk to. And Kevin Eastman was like, oh, give me your card. That sounds great. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you know, you're coming <laughs> But no, that was the highlight. Honestly, I think talking to talking to Simon was the highlight for me. That was just such Simon, a- first name terms. I know. I know. Nobody uh-huh. beats the biz. Nobody beats the biz. Uh, Graham, you, your New York Comic Con highlight? God, what was my, I don't know my highlight. I spent I spent the entire show working, and it was it was a weird show. Mm-hmm. Um, the best of panel. The, yeah, it's true. We did. We both did the best of 2008 panel, which mm-hmm. neither of us knew ahead of time was apparently videoed and is apparently going to be posted publicly. Ooh, so exciting! If, if you want to see the two of us and Arthur Wyatt, Dread Writer, and Tiffany Bab, who's my editor at Popverse, and Owen Johnson, who edits edits the best of 2008. Um, talking about 2008 for an hour, that's apparently going on the internet at some point somewhere. Because mm. I've seen the video. I know it's real. I scream the word gay into the microphone. You do scream the word gay into the microphone. I don't think anyone who listens to this is surprised by that. <laughs> I was about to say, that's happened three times in the last... I, it hasn't even been an hour of recording. Yeah, I was going to say, it's happened three times. Uh, it's it's like some sort of amazing Tourette's type thing. So... <laughs> Uh, well, actually, uh, let me – so, Graham, I do want to yeah. say you're going to go on, and I know it's not going to be a highlight, but I should mention so, in part so I can link in the show notes. I really enjoyed your little interview that uh, on Popverse with Tom King about Danger Street. That was that was just a I, I honestly wish you guys – I wish I could have published the audio of it because mm-hmm. it's literally the two of us laughing for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. each other laugh. Like yeah. that, 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 was, that was a – Bless both of us, a pretty unprofessional, we're both punchy interview. 
where we just spend the entire time laughing. Uh, oh, also, Jeff, uh, I think Tom listens to the podcast. Oh, no. Then start by going, it's so weird to be talking to you in person. Normally, you're just a voice on my phone. Time. Oh, no. All right. Well. Uh, which is that's... very funny, considering some of the things you said about Tom King in this podcast. Dude, everything that I've said. Oh, my God. This is the worst. I hope he's got some special filter that just... <laughs> So that it's like, or he has his wife or maybe his kid, like, go and just edit me out. So it's like, you know, it goes from being a two-hour episode to an hour episode, and it's just you talking and laughing. Like, who would uh, love that, actually, come to think of it? so. But, um, no, I, like, I, I did enjoy the interviews. Uh, I think the Philip Kennedy Johnson one's gone out live as well now. He's talking mm-hmm. about in action comics, and that was a really fun interview as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking to Tom McFarlane, Red Capullo was wacky. Oh, right. shit. You know what, what interview hasn't gone live and was also just laughing for 15 minutes? I did an interview with the Doom Patrol cast. Oh, right. You told me about that. And, yeah. Uh, and it went off the rails literally immediately. Because mm-hmm. Michelle Gomez recognized that you were also Scottish. And, like, we had a – we were told before we started because, like, it's TV people and it's TV press. They're like, you have eight minutes. Like, that. there's a hard stop. Right. And I'm like, here's my first question. And Michelle Gomez is like, are you Scottish? And we just, like, that was it. We didn't recover. We, wow. we didn't get back on track because they were also punchy. Right. And so it's just like, it's four people failing to like get, finish a coherent thought. The interview wow. finishes with Michelle Gomez forgetting what one of the cast members characters name is in the show. And she's there. Well, to be fair, it's the character name. I think that's as if it's not the actual person that she actually could. Yeah, but still, there. it's Rita Farr, who's one of the main characters. Oh, there. my God. Okay, that's a little, that's kind of rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was It was kind of, also at some point, and again, the audio is not going to be published, which is the same, um, the entire cast shouts, sniff those butts for like yeah. two minutes. Just wow. Stop. Yeah, no, again, and we had an aim and interview, and I'm doing this in a room with, like, maybe 10 PR people, mm-hmm. and it was just going hideously off the rails from the start, and I loved that. In an amazing turn that is usually, that makes, totally makes it seem like opposite land, all of, like, your interview, my interviews, which, by the way, were primarily about, uh, like, Art philosophy and dog balls seemed really <laughs> professional in comparison. Yeah, no, my interviews were just like <laughs> wacky things. I spent the entirety of my interview with Mark Silvestri thinking that he was very glamorous and handsome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also incredibly tall, Jeff. I don't know yes. if you've ever met Mark Silvestri, but he's really tall. You know, it's funny. I don't. I've. I I've never met him, but it's one of those weird details I know probably from the Spitten Image comics. Um, yeah, you he's, all he's, know what I'm talking about. He's supernaturally tall, which is kind of wacky. Um, it was a weird show. It's a genuinely odd show to to work at. Like even beyond the mask thing, which you know has been discussed, and and like I'm in the middle of writing a second piece about. Mm. Um, but for people who don't know, it was a mask mandate show and like, you know, generously a third of the people there were wearing masks. Yeah. And that's generous. Um, and we magically, neither one of us caught COVID. Yeah. And and we, don't know any, and we don't know anyone who got COVID either, which is kind of insane. Like genuinely yeah. kind of insane. Yeah. Um, 
But like even beyond that, it was a weirdly low key show. Like the number of the number of panels I went to where people didn't seem particularly excited to be there. Yeah. Like anyone, fans or people on stage. Oof. Like I I think I went to three panels in the entire show where people were happy to be there. Right? The Tom McFarlane one was like the second coming. Like those fans were believers. Hardcore, like before he came into the room, were like excitedly talking to strangers about their love of Todd. Like genuinely. God, all of us could harness that no, for kind real, of energy. Right? <laughs> um uh the weirdly enough, the Superman one, DC Superman panel, was incredibly upbeat and positive and excited. Right. And like DC had some said had like, you know, a fair amount of Superman news, but even before that, like that crowd was just excited. Like, here's people who work on Superman. This is great. Like, they were there for it. It was great. Um, and the Star Trek one. But the Star Trek one was kind of a weird one because, like, the entire cast of Next Gen was there. And Kate Mulgrew. And Kate uh, Mulgrew was, was, like, I don't know, drunk. Totally or, out or, like, grumpy or something. And it was amazing. Um, oh, no, for real. Kate Mulgrew was was just kind of out of way. And Jamila Jamil, who I know is a divisive person for, mm-hmm. for many um she's doing a voice on star trek prodigy which is a kid's show like it airs on nickelodeon it's a kid's show right right and she talked about how she was so fucking excited that it like it's going to blow everyone's balls off and then the moderate <laughs> then the moderate had to be like this show airs on nickelodeon like immediately <laughs> and you can see her go oh shit like i shouldn't have said that um, but then, like, the Next Gen cast comes out. And, you know, I grew up in Star Trek Next Generation. I, You are probably a little too old to have grown up on it, per se. But, like, you know that it was, like, Damn. a big... <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I didn't mean it like that. No, no, I just say, like... It's grand. Because, <laughs> like, I know that Next Gen started when I was, like, 13, 12, or something like that. Oh, Jesus. You know? <laughs> I'm so fucking much older than you guys sometimes, and I forget it. I was like, oh, okay. No, that's what right. I mean by growing up, right? So, like, it really yeah. was. Like, when I was when I was in high school, NetGem was on, mm-hmm. right? And that is, like, that's a very particular age to have, you know, an experience with a show, right? Especially a show that you love. Um, and the, Net, the Star Trek panel, when the NetGem cast comes out, was a room full of those people, yeah. right? So the question and answer was full of people who legitimately were in tears at seeing these people in the flesh, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. genuinely and saying That's things so like, nice. it, it was, I love that. but it was people genuinely saying like, not, you know, putting on airs or anything, genuinely saying like, you know, my parents couldn't give me moral guidance, but your show did. Right, but I love that so much. And that's like that's like really intense, but it's also almost cheating to say like those people were excited because that really is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, no offense to Todd, but we're all going to be at the Todd panel next year. You know, mm-hmm. we know it's going to roll around again. But when are you going to see the people you grew up with on stage in front of you again? Yeah, you know, like that is an experience. That is actually something where people are just going to. You know, have a, I was there for that thing, you know? Um, but those were the three panels. Almost everything else was was like this weird, 
like anti-energy like the, I'm, the I'm viz just, you were the viz panel i was it was uh, okay so the the viz media panel which was supposed to be a bunch of like the the manga announcements right right um, the all the manga and anime announcements and, and they announced 16 projects they announced 16 projects and but the way they announced them was a guy with a red mohawk and an elton john jacket uh <laughs> which is to say that it was entirely made out of red sequins uh comes up on stage and is like Oh, hey, everybody. So I bet we're all really excited to be here. And uh, we have some announcements to make. And then... He'd read off the title and, then, and the creative team and move on. Yeah. And it was it was just really, really bizarre. Um, I'm trying to think if I saw any panels where people were, like, properly hype. I really right. don't think so. And, um, and that was the entire show. And that's not just our experience. Like, other people who were other panels said the same thing. Right? It, it, was, it's, it was this weird, like... I don't know. I put it down to... You know, for me, it was my fifth show in 80 days, right? So I was exhausted. And at first I was like, I'm just not, I'm not feeling it because I'm tired. And then I was like, maybe everyone's tired. Well, see, that's it. For a lot of those people, they probably, it was also their fifth show in 80 days, if not more, right? Yeah, like, right. Yeah. So but it was I. Really tired thing. That said, the, you know, we did the talkback panel. We did the, 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 um, the team and, Q and A panel at the and end. Not a single person said anything about masks, which was the weirdest part for me. Because so, bless her, Christina. Um, Christina who's, Rogers who's is the, the VP of Comic Events for Repo. Uh, she she prefaced the panel by saying uh, it was really hard to uphold this mask mandate because of X, Y, and Z, and it was things mm -hmm. like. You know, the president, you know, President Biden, you know, said that the pandemic was over and that made it really difficult and yada, yada, yada. And like New York Transit lifted their mask yeah. mandate and yada, yada. So, right. but that is it. It stopped there. And literally no other person brought up the, the lack of masks. There were things like, uh, I really didn't like that the VIP room um, was just letting people in. And it was like. <laughs> There was there. No, were, but, but that's just it. Like, so for the most I mean, part. valid, I guess, if you're paying for a VIP pass. But, but for the most part, right. everyone had had a good show and everyone's happy, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. no one, like the two of us spent the entire weekend. And I had like, you know, both of us talked to creators and other people at the show who were like, yeah, there's not a lot of masks, huh? And like, it was a topic of conversation. Right. Like, it was. Right. It's not as if it, uh, I was paranoid and I was the only one, right? A lot of people behind the scenes were talking. And then you get to the, the, the fan Q&A, and not one person mentions it. Yeah. Like, well, my, positive or negative, not one person even mentions it. I, I, uh, I mean, you know, Graham, when you and I were talking about this in a non-recording uh, way um, a few weeks back, like, in, in my uh, weird regular workday life, I have to interact with people on both coasts, and the not the people in my department but the some of the lawyers and especially the partners in the east coast offices like and this was months ago i had a discussion this guy's like oh yeah no covid's over oh because i talked to him like i had caught covid and it taken two weeks off 
And this was like back in July because I cut out on July 4th, right? So I come back to work and there's this whole thing blowing up. So I have to talk to this New York partner and he and I haven't really interacted. But he was like, oh, yeah, no, that's, I mean, you know, so you're doing, so it hit you hard, huh? I'm like, well, I really wanted to take the time to recover because they say it could really exacerbate. He's like, ah, I've had COVID three times. I'm like, you've had COVID three times? He's like, yeah, it's not a thing. It's just a, you know, it's like the flu. It's like we we all got boosters. He's like, in fact, I got COVID 10 days after my last booster. And, uh, you know, my family's all had COVID. We've all had COVID multiple times. It's just, and that's it. Like the people in the East Coast, there's such a segment of like, yeah, no, it's just the flu. Get over it. And, you know, part of that is that whole New York, like, yeah, you rub, you know, you ride the subway and the rats are able to actually communicate with you and you realize some of them have better paying jobs than you. You get over it, you know, and uh, but it's really scary. I was like, dude, we should not be this blase about COVID. But his his whole experience was like, it's fine. It's fine. I've gotten it three times before. It felt like a sucky flu. I'm like. Have you seen the stats about long COVID? Like that's like three in 10 people, you know, are going to have long COVID symptoms. And those symptoms are not a walk in the park. And this, in case you're wondering, that's the conversation I had in my head because I'm dealing with a partner of the firm. What I said was, oh, ah, uh-huh, ah, uh-huh, ah, uh-huh, ah, uh-huh, ah, uh-huh. ah, 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 ah,
this badge means that I'm staff, and that means that I need to tell you to put on your mask before you get up to the show floor. He said, "Go the where? I said, the show floor, the only fucking place where this escalator goes. Wow. If you have a mask in your pocket, you need to put it on before you get to the show floor. And at that point, we had reached the top of the escalator, and he said, fuck you, cunt, and walked away. Wow. Yeah. And so what's even better is um, I had to I, – I told this – to some of the other people on the team because I was laughing. I was like, oh my God, just the audacity of this fucking kid. Um, I was telling this to people in the show office and they were like, well, you have to tell the repop executives. I was like, I really don't. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) They said, no, you need to tell the repop executives. So I ended up telling... I ended up telling executives I don't want to name on a podcast. And they were like, are you okay? And that was when everybody learned what a terrible person I am. I was like, oh, I don't care about being called a cunt. Like, right. I, I'm perfectly fine being We're called a cunt. We're earning like, our explicit language. Oh, I'm really sorry, you guys. I don't, no, don't worry about it. it. A, we've got the thing. <laughs> and also, it's fine. Fine, yeah, fine, like fine. I don't, I don't mean. I, I was like, oh, I don't care about that. Just don't call me late for dinner, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Um, and a southern like, spin on a punk twist. I like Jesus. it. They, but they were like, no, really, are you okay? That's a really offensive word. And I was like, it's really not. It's fine. I don't care about that. I'm more upset that this kid felt emboldened enough. Yeah, to, right. Like, tell me to fuck off more than anything else when I'm just sitting there going, hey, it's not that hard. You can even. That little shit could have even put on his mask and then taken it off when he got to the show floor. That's what half the people were doing anyway. But the fact that yeah. he like he felt emboldened and therefore like clearly felt emboldened by the actions of Reed Pop to to be able to do that. And I'm a freelancer, so I can say that. <laughs> I for, you know what. I a I agree, but b I do wonder. Like, part just the fact that he didn't understand the phrase "show floor" made me wonder if he was incredibly yeah. high or just. Yeah. He understood. No, he understood. The phrase he show was. Floor. He was. He was clearly like he was trying to look like big dick of shit mountain and right. uh, like in front of his friends. His friend, who by the way, when like was more turned white. turned fucking ghost white and put on his mask. Right. Right. I loved it. I was like, yes, still got it. <laughs> still got it. Still got well, it. Well, that's delightful. That is delightful. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, no, but yeah, New York was weird. New York was an odd show this year. Um, and part of it was exhaustion, I think. So you don't really have a, a, a personal highlight in that sense uh, of the show? Like, we threw a couple of things in there. but You don't have any highlights at I all? Mean, I like kind of a personal, you know what I mean? Like this kind of like it sounds like the Doom Patrol thing was fun, but um, my personal highlights were seeing people I, I know. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's true of all of the shows. You know, where it's like, oh, I haven't seen so and so for a while. Like honestly, I got to see the 2008 people. Right. Like I, I hadn't oh, seen Mulcher yeah. Rowan for for I hadn't seen Mulcher in like three years, mm-hmm. and that was great. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I got to basically tell him that his book is good. And he does not, he still does not understand that. So, you know, it's, that was, that was, things like that were highlight. Honestly, like, Tom King and I just making each other laugh instead of talking about Danger Street was, right. was funny as well, you yeah. know? And there's, there, there's stuff that didn't make the interview, Jeff, that I will tell you off recording 
about the industry that I think you'll very much appreciate. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. Uh, for people that don't know, Danger Street is uh, the upcoming 12-issue series um, uh, where the cast is everyone who ever headlined DC's first-issue special series, mm-hmm. uh, which, as as Tom King pointed out, includes some greats like the New Gods and Creeper and also includes Lady Cop and the Dingbats of Danger Street. Right. <laughs> green Team. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as he pointed out, the Outsiders, the worst characters in the world, who have only ever appeared twice, and one of them were Grant Morrison limbo joke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's true. The Outsiders one is so bad, I don't even remember it. And I need I should probably go back and reread that. Yeah, so. Duncan describes it as the worst comic ever made. And honestly, mm-hmm. I went to reread it recently, and I was like, you might be right. <laughs> is it is it one of the Joe Simon ones? Or is yeah, it, it, not? it is. Yeah, okay. That's I right. Okay. Just Joe Simon, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, isn't that Simon and Grandetti again, or um, it is Simon and Grandetti, and because it, it has um, God, I can't remember the kid's name. So the whole thing about Green Team is it is kids millionaires. You have to be a millionaire to join the Green Team, and you have to be a kid. And there's this kid who wants to join them, but his job is like shining kid uh, people's shoes, and he gets paid five dollars, and he goes to the bank. And the bank makes a mistake in putting it in the system. And so they give him half a million, which he then invests and makes a million on top of that. So when the bank realizes their mistake, they can take the half a million back and he still has a million dollars. You know, it's a great joke. I mean, A, it's a great joke, but I'm like, also part of me is like, oh, Christ, this was an instruction manual for the 80s, pretty much. That's how exactly all of high finance worked in the eighties at that. But, but it's, it's... the green team is like, have you read the green team recently? Because I know um, you buy the first. Oh no, you got it out of Hoopla. I think the first issue. I did get it out of Hoopla, but then I did. I did. I have to admit, I also bought it digitally on sale. Oh um, yeah. The it. I mean, it, you've got to reread it because I'd forgotten yeah. that it starts with one of the kids buys a whole lot of land. Uh, because he wants to sell it to his friend, who's another member of the green team, so that he right. can drill for oil. And then the oil kid goes, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm moving to different business. And the first kid's like, doesn't fucking matter. I bought an air, I built an airport here. Now I'm going to build a city that's going to be a success because there's an airport here. Fuck you. It's yeah. a fucking weird comic. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Oh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Okay. We're like, we're almost at. Uh, an hour and 50 but I'm going to actually make a comic recommendation <laughs> finally you know uh, I have uh, been reading over uh, over the last few days on Hoopla that I, mm-hmm. I genuinely love mm-hmm. Radiant Black have you read Radiant Black yet? Uh, yeah I read the I want to say the first three to six issues I forget the, up until the, the character the one of the big plot twists which maybe might just be three three issues it's in, three so. issues in it's three, it's three yeah. issues in because the big right. plot was what convinced me to keep going. Ah, yeah, yeah, um, definitely. And then where it goes from there, I just, I really dig. It's a, it's a very, this, again, this sounds like Damning the Fame Praise and it's, it's not intended to. It's a very well done, straightforward superhero comic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. even the big twist, which is, like I said, the thing that convinced me to keep going, 
is mm-hmm. simultaneously like, you know, oh shit, I didn't see that coming, but also doesn't break any rules of superhero comics. Right. No, very much so. And you're like, okay, fine. I can keep going with this. If this is, if these are the risks you're going to take. Um, yeah. And I will tell you, because all the first three collections are on Two Planet. Mm-hmm. So you can get all the way through issue 18. Um, yeah. And the end of the second trade closes the loop on that plot twist from the first mm. in such a way that is also pretty enjoyable and okay. not taking the obvious route. Hmm. Okay. Uh, That's so really I, good I, to know. I, 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 do re- I do recommend it. I think you might dig it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, we've got to be vaguely like spoiler-centric because... It is enough of a surprise that you're like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, you don't want to you don't want to spoil it. I mean, the thing that I thought so my problem was I I did pick up like I said the first three issues and, uh, you know it really had a um, mid '90s DC comic superhero comic vibe, and I mean that in a, in a real positive way, like kind of mm-hmm. really sort of straightforward, and I enjoyed it. Um, and then, unfortunately, uh, like, I enjoyed all of that, but there was something where I was like, this writing's not going to work for me. I can just tell, kind of as it went on. So I, I dropped off, but I, I, I may well drop in, especially since, you know, it's hoopla prices. I could afford to pay yeah, hoopla it, prices. It, it, or freeze, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're like, you, you, can't say, you can't say better than that. Uh, no, I, I, I've been really, I've been really enjoying that. However, uh, Clay, I think you should tell the lovely people at home, uh, what you've been reading lately. Oh God. Okay. Definitely. Uh, uh, okay. So, <laughs> so, uh, to preface this, the new site, uh, of what was formerly, uh, the Neotext review, which is now the gutter review, um, mm. At thegutterreview.com, we are kind of doing our second month live uh, in November. I've kind of set up a theme uh, because I love a theme. And the theme is a cornucopia of controversy. And I basically want to – part of the reason why why the Gutter Review exists is to take – Visual media, so let's comics and, and movie. A fancy way of saying comics and movies, I guess, um, uh, that have maybe some prickly connotations to them or prickly conversations surrounding them and talk about uh, what that means and what that says about us and mm-hmm. what that means in a more historical context and like what about when it was made or when it was published versus how it looks now. What are the merits of that? What are the downfalls of that? Et cetera, et cetera. Which is a really fucking long way of saying that I have been reading Grant Morrison and Mark Miller's Big Dave. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and it's, uh, I I put up a thing earlier in my uh, Twitter circle that uh, sums it up pretty nicely, which is I am either a really great kit- critic or a terrible fucking person. Because I, I really love it. Like, mm-hmm. like unironically, I think it is really, I think it's like an all-purpose destroyer of a comic strip. And I think that it does that really successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. for anybody not familiar with Big Dave, because it is 
entirely out of print and will never see print again for good <laughs> fucking reason. Um, Big Dave was a strip done by uh, Grant Morrison and Mark Miller back, uh, God, really super early 90s with uh, art by largely Steve Parkhouse and lettered largely by Annie Parkhouse. Um, and the strip is, was meant to be a satire on basically lad culture of the right. UK in the 1990s because that, that that period was was really big on on being Fun. being laddie for want of a better way of putting it uh, and everything that came with that and Big Dave is this character um, he's Britain's who, hardest man yes he's Britain's hardest man uh, he is Mancunian uh, and he is um, he's basically meant to represent your average uh, uh, somebody who would read the sun is right. a good way to put it. Uh, so yeah. big tabloid, like, uh, I guess a good equivalent would be like Fox News, yeah, yeah. essentially, um, for the UK. And he is, uh, he's just a piece of shit. He, like, mm -hmm. he calls everybody, like, if you if you do anything to cross him, he calls you a poof. Um, and he'll, he, he bottles anybody that gets in his way. And he always has some sort of terrible retort to anybody and everything. And, uh, but the focus is only partially on Dave because the story really, the, st the strips really revolve around making, finding as many ways as possible to make Britain the butt of the joke. And right. there are a couple of moments where you're like, oh, fuck, I'm going to brace for the racism. Uh, because they're the first strip. And the racism kind of arrives. No, and the racism <laughs> kind of arrives, right? Mm -hmm. But it's this horrible uh, gray area. <laughs> I hate to say gray area because it is like it is actually racist. But the way it's played out is this uncomfortable thing that makes you, as a reader, complicit in what's happening. Which is so. It's this. Uh, it's this. It's going to be a story uh, about the reaction of British people, like xenophobic, racist British people dealing with people from other countries, okay? Right. And then they will make a, like, somewhat of a stereotype of said other region, but it is not written or framed as actually making fun of those people. It is framed as somebody with this particular British mentality thinking about this group of people. Uh -huh. It is this tangled, like, rat king <laughs> of satire that if, if, you, if you look at it for too long, you get queasy. But, <laughs> but it, yeah. it works. Did... And it works in a way that I think it does a good job of making you, making you uncomfortable, but it also... I think I, I think at the by the time you get to the end of every joke, you realize that there is nobody that has been made fun of more than white, uh, like cishet white British people. It, it oh, is very much so, yeah. Unreliable narrator. Yeah, because it's narrated it's, like um like like a tabloid newspaper. It's as if mm -hmm. Big Dave or someone like Big Dave is telling the story about Big Dave, and in the process, you realize that. Like, you can't trust anything that is being said. Right. But everything is being performed with such, like, machismo and, and overcompensation that you're just like, oh, this is embarrassing for the person telling the story. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's this 
really weird. It's funny because I have, like, I read it when it came out. And I haven't really revisited it until you've been reading it now. And, and looking back at it, I'm like, this is, like, simultaneously smarter and dumber than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. And it's almost frustrating because you want to be, like, your 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 first impulse is to be, oh, I'm getting myself all fucking tangled up. I have too many feelings. Um, <laughs> Save them for your sim- story. Save them for your story. Similarly to how a lot of people approach, like, the underground comics of, like, um, uh, of the 60s and 70s and, and stuff like that. It's it would it it is a purposefully reactionary piece of art, and yeah. it's meant to give you a fucking rise. And that does a not make it okay if that is your reaction. If you, that is your reaction, you have every right to fucking feel it. But it's also important to recognize that like that's the purpose. It was yeah. meant to make people like it was meant to bristle people. The problem yeah. is is that it, there it's so much satire laid on top of each other that sometimes if you don't peek under that extra layer, you're going to just assume that some absolute shithead wrote it. And to be fair, Mark Miller worked on this comic, so let's <laughs> we'll not see exactly. That's one of the things that I think does make it super problematic. At, at least at least for me, uh, at least when I read it, I, I actually thought that each uh, arc of Big Dave kind of got, I appreciated more. So it worked better for me as, as, as it went on. And by the time it ended, I was like, oh, this is really enjoyable. But I do, my feelings of, of, of Mark Miller is that he, I just don't, I don't trust his whole like, oh, I'm such a super progressive that I always make a point to satirize the conservative. And I'm like, you're kind of just doing a double irony thing and hoping (laughs) that nobody notices, basically. So. And I'm, and I, uh, there's, there's a number of parts, uh, of it, especially in the first story, which, uh, spoilers, Saddam Hussein has, uh, is in, is in cahoots with some aliens that have landed on earth and want to make earth a love colony. And so they have a dick shaped gun that called the love gun that turns people, um, into stereotypical like Queens essentially. And, uh, I'm not going to give away too much of it, but essentially like you can tell where Morrison was working on it because it is very much like that camp, uh, like pantomime type scripting. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> Especially after reading Luda, it reads differently, but you can tell like the influences there and it's super funny now in retrospect going like, Oh fuck. I absolutely see why people were very upset about this. I understand why the queer community was upset about this. And then of course, Morrison has come out and like Morrison in, in, in and of themselves has always been very, very queer, at least to me, but before they like quote unquote officially came out or Mm -hmm. whatever the fuck you want to phrase it. Um, like it's, uh, it, it's it's a complicated sort of thing because so many people thought that they were masquerading, right, as somebody involved in queer culture, and that was like, no, how? Surprise, bitch! Said no one. And right. Like, uh, and I don't know. I I think there are a lot of parts of it that work. I think there are a lot of parts that don't. It is not without. This is not me apologizing for it or uh, saying that it is without flaw by any stretch of the imagination. But right. I think that as a piece of satire, it is impossible 
deeply funny. All of the love gun stuff, I was actually, I was reading it in bed. Uh, and waking me up. And I woke him up because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> like, I just thought it was, I thought it was so funny. Like, cause he, um, like, what is it? He, one of the, the British soldiers gets, gets hit with the love gun and he gets these long eyelashes and quaffed hair and is wearing lip gloss and Big Dave says, oh, you fucking poof. And, and he goes, ooh, look at her. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so fucking great. This is really funny. Um, but again, like I get why people would hate it. I think that you read how I, you're going to read it, how you're going to want to read it. But there is 100% a case for me on like, it's, I mean, it's worth revisiting if you can stomach it. Right. Weirdly enough, that's not the comic I was going to, I was probably you to talk about. Oh, well, I just talked a lot for no fucking You can get a bonus. No, 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 no. Okay. go for it, Chloe. What was the other one, Gren? Punisher Blood on the Movers. <gasps> What not? <laughs> you get to explain the, this one. The, the late Alan Grant uh, did many things in American comics that I think we can all appreciate. I think everyone would say that his Batman was a, a particular <laughs> high point. Um, he had a side business, and his side <laughs> business was every now and again doing a story where an American superhero would visit <laughs> Scotland. But not the real Scotland. No, they'd visit weird Alan Grant Scotland. It's so great. <laughs> um, one of these comics is uh, Batman the Scottish Connection, where Bruce Wayne, A, discovers he has Scottish heritage, because of course, uh, of course, and then comes over and fights with someone who's dressed in a plague mask and a kilt. Uh, to, and there's like a haunted castle or something involved in there, because of course there fucking is. But the is. other one is Punisher Blood on the Moors, which is like mid to early 90s. It's John Wagner, Alan Grant, and Cam Kennedy doing painted art. Which oh, it's shockingly Which beautiful. Is, yeah, just it's, sounds amazing. Uh, but it is the greatest Punisher comic ever made. And also, it is a Punisher comic that is 100% it's a, a comedy. Continu- it's, a, it's also a continuation of uh, uh, Bogeyman. A hun- like, totally. It is not a Punisher story. It is a continuation of Bogeyman. Yeah, they're wow. not writing Frank Castle as anyone else writes Frank Castle. They are writing, like, the Bogeyman, which is to say they're doing a parody of noir. And it just features a guy calling himself the Punisher. Good and Lord. it's it's... It's amazing. Like, it's it's a genuinely funny comic. It starts with the Punisher is sort of wandering through the Highlands and something's happened to him that you don't realize until later. And what's happening to him is the there are drug dealers smuggling cocaine in, in whiskey. And in order to take care of the Punisher, they've dunked his head in the whiskey or cocaine mix. So he's high and drunk simultaneously. Wow, Scotland, and that's it. That's the start of the comic, <laughs> and it, it it's just it's nuts. It's genuinely, genuinely just the weirdest, funniest Punisher comic, and feels. I'm going to sneeze. <clears throat> Bless everyone. Indeed, um, it it feels like. It, it, in a weird way, it feels like uh, um, a sort of signpost to what Garth Ennis does with Steve Dillon years later. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of what I, I was thinking. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but also it, it's one hundred percent an Alan Grant, John Wagner comic. 
you know what I mean? Like it, it fits in with a lot of their dread stuff, to be honest. Um, it, it's, it's a joy. It's, it's, like I said, I don't think it's ever been reprinted. I don't think it ever will be because it's so off model. It's, it's kind of amazing to even start print in the first place, to be honest. Right. But it's, it's fucking amazing. If ever for some reason shows up on Marvel Unlimited or something, read it. <laughs> yeah. Cause that is hard to that. imagine. Yeah. It's it's the it's the least Frank Castle story that has ever existed. Like it is Frank it is Frank Castle as played by Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, it, it, you Just picked it up in, in Comic Con. I did, and I, and I thought you were insane. Like so, when we're at conventions, we go dumpster bin diving for cheap comics, right? Right. Right. And Chloe pulls this hardcover out, and it's fifty dollars, and I'm like, no, you're nuts. The, the, there's no way it's Punisher. There's no way this is going to be worth it. And Chloe's like, if nothing else, it's Wagner Grant and Cam Kennedy painted art. How bad yeah. can it be? And jokes on me, it's actually fucking it's great. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. I was wow. 100% wrong. Wow. It was, I mean, it's maybe one of the fun, my favorite comics I've read this year. It's just a, a fucking that... joy. It sounds fabulous. Who would I'm have also thought very. You, the, a, you'd recommend a Punisher comic. It's also pretty great that you thought that Chloe was going to talk about it, and then she talked about something else, and I'm like, okay, Chloe, and then you just you and then took I'm it like, and no, you ran with it. Fucking tell you. My my joke about screwing up the two of you at the beginning of the podcast is, oh my prophetic soul. Let me tell you. Uh, well, let me talk about. What else have you read? Red. Yeah. What yeah. Let let me. So I'm I'm going to keep it quick and just talk talk about one thing. Actually, I will. I'm going to briefly mention two things, which is to say, one of the the news that I mentioned that that um, I I want to talk about it just because it's the kind of thing that uh, I would talk about on the podcast all the time. And and frankly, if this news got passed up, like every once in a while, people will will say like, oh, yeah, I listen to the podcast. And that's the, it's the only way I know comics news. Uh, DC Universe uh, Infinite is now DC Universe Infinite Ultra or DC UIU or whatever. DCUI Ultra, as I think I've been calling it. And um, they announced it at Comic-Con, and I don't know, Graham may not tell us all the, the, the shenanigans happening behind the point, but essentially it came out at New York Comic-Con that there would be a higher tier, and for $99 a year, um, subscribers could read uh, DC Comics on the streaming service one month after their release in the marketplace instead of the sort of horse chokingly six months that they had been keeping with. Uh, and that rolled out on Monday. And, and so then maybe the next, next time we have a podcast, I will talk about reading um, all the issues of flashpoint beyond one of the dumbest comics oh, I've ever read in my life. Oh, Jeff. Next, next time, next time we do one, I, yeah. I will tell you that very, very quickly that um, I know you haven't read the final issue yet, but I've read that and I've read the new Golden Age issue one, uh-huh. thing, which follows on from it. And I look forward to talking to you about them. Well, I'll be honest, Graham, because of the timing of it, I actually read the first five issues or six, since there's a zero issue, of Flashpoint Beyond 
like and wrap that up the day before it six came out. So I I paid I paid money for six because I'm like I got to see how this stupid piece of shit turns out. And boy, I don't. I'm, I'm was, not sure if was, I was disappointed or not. Actually, I was say that's maybe the the greatest waste of three ninety nine. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, and of course, I was like, yeah, but I got all this other stuff for quote unquote free. Um, yeah, so we'll go into it because there really was shit in there that I was like, oh my god. But in the interest, of, a for people who are who are interested in potential streaming, but part uh, digital services and. The delay is not very exciting or enticing. The fact that DC UI Ultra um, allows you to read stuff one month out. And basically, when they launched it, they really did sort of push the button and and drop about four issues or five issues of uh, titles. Um, uh, makes it... Was made it a kind of interesting couple of weeks for me, but I do want to I, mention weird. Yes, before we move on from that, really quickly, uh, anyone yeah. who wants to stand up at ninety nine ninety nine has to do so in the next week or so. I think. I think that's that price is only good through like the end of the first week in November, but also either this week upcoming or next week, they're also adding a chunk of Vertigo content for Ultra subscribers only. Right. The the Vertigo content, they dropped a whole bunch of, I don't know about a whole bunch, but they're starting to uh, feed the Mad Magazine stuff in there. That's available at the regular tier, however, not just Ultra. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Ultra people getting the first peek at a whole chunk of, of Vertigo stuff being put on there is... It's pretty fab. It's kind of interesting. Do you know what the price is going to be after the intro price of 99 I bucks? I, thought I, it was... I genuinely don't. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, it's so funny. I didn't realize. But I also know, Jeff, because you sign up, you're going to get a free print comic. Yes, I am. Oh, yes, I am. Do you know, do you know what? Do you know what it is? Yes, I cannot be less excited. It's like the tenth <laughs> anniversary Superman vs. VD Day, or no, no, not tenth, thirtieth anniversary it's, of Superman. Thirtieth anniversary special of, of Death of Superman. Whoa! But yeah, I, if. Uh... If you want to be a flipper, it's an exclusive cover, so you could always try and get it sell on eBay. You know, that's that's pretty exciting. I have to say, there's a whole bunch of very complicated maths going on in my head because, well, anyway, I'll get to it. We'll have this discussion when we we dig into all of these things uh, a little later. But I do want to mention a diabolical summer, which I ended up picking up. Um, it saw as a title on. Comixology Unlimited. I don't know if it's actually on Hoopla, but published by IDW not any time recently, uh, which is to say it came out in 2016. It is a, a translation of a French comic graphic novel about a kid coming in a coming of age in the 60s in France and the mysterious relationship that he has to his father and good old Diabolic. So uh, you've got the the great little strange, novel? yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the the cover. If you check out the show notes, I have a cover of it. The bottom half is sort of your typical French coming of age uh, sort of novel, in in the sense of like you know, well cartooned teenagers with big noses, but dangling over it in sort of amazing day glow colors are the the devil eyes of 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 diabolic or diabolic um so 
it's a it's a really fun little strange memory novel i guess sort of like uh, like the the very worst way to describe it would be kind of like if ian McEwan's atonement had been about diabolic comics instead of the second <laughs> world war i guess um that well, makes me want to look for it i've got to be honest <laughs> i i appreciate that at least over the years i've learned how to sell pitch to you graham so if no, if no one else uh yeah so i i actually really enjoyed it i think like i said it's probably it wouldn't surprise me if it's also on hoopla if it's on cu surprisingly just very much a oh here's a charming little um you know european novel with like some beautiful coloring and art uh and and sort of a a fun little a fun little strange confection so that's my rucko what i'm gonna tell you it's on uh, hoopla and i'm done letting it right now hey that's great okay well that's fabulous hopefully we you can talk about the internet right so I think actually, you two, that that is a good time, since I'm editing this thing, to uh, to think about... I know. Like, we did a super short draw. We did a super short draw last week, and I got to edit it, and now we're doing, like, this is literally twice as long for this one. <laughs> sorry, it's Jeff. still going strong. No, and it's, uh, it is, yeah, it's one of those uh, things where I could... Talk talk to you guys for hours, uh, and which I literally just have, get, but... You get to... Uh, in a few days when you get here. Well, no, it's in case, like, I, I, did we actually properly say that you're coming here? Like, <laughs> I, I think they've managed I, I, to... I feel like we're talking around it, and I don't know if we ever actually said it. Jeff's coming to visit Portland um, yeah. at the end of this week. And as you said, it's a super fast visit. Like, you're in and out in, like, three days. Yeah, pretty much. But, um, pretty much. But I'm very excited. I'm, I'm, like, I'm genuinely thrilled. I haven't seen you in, in like, three years, for real. And it's, yeah. it's been far too long. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited, and we'll, you get to see weird, weird fucking movies for it. Yeah, uh, but because it's gonna of that, be great. There's no podcast recording next week because that next week's a skip week. That's Sorry, right, everyone. Um, yep. But that does mean that you have more time to uh, get Jeff a birthday present because Jeff's birthday, don't forget, is a Halloween. Jeff is a werewolf, and <laughs> therefore he deserves um, birthday gifts. October thirty first. That's right, everyone. October 31st. Jeff Lester's birthday is October 31st. Yes. Uh, also, Graham, I'm kind of hoping that someone will, will pick up, or perhaps I can insert in the show show notes, the link to uh, the 30 Rock parody movie uh, Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Uh, that Werewolf delightful. Spooky, scary. <laughs> Becoming men. Then becoming, becoming wolves. Becoming wolves. Yeah. God bless. Fucking Donald Glover, man. I gotta tell ya. <laughs> Lord. Um, I love that so much. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. So we're, so we're doing a, we're doing a, a skip week next week, and then we're back in November. Uh, all new, renewed, and we'll see if A, Jeff got COVID visiting Portland. B, Jeff brought COVID to Portland, because <laughs> some, somehow I've not gotten COVID, and I've done five shows in the last, like, three months. Which yeah. seems weird, like genuinely. I was having that conversation with Zach Soto today at the, at the comic swap. Like, it doesn't make sense that I somehow have traveled around the country multiple times in the last like three months and been healthy for all of it. Well, Thankfully, like 
few masks and like you know hand washing and hand sanitizing and all of that shit good yeah, job definitely. everyone but also wow that is weird so let's see if jeff ruins that when he he comes here wow i i am hoping that i can blame it on like new york comic con uh but uh you know i mean see the thing is graham like you say that but i'm like there's patient zero for covid in the north america and you guys were like patients negative one and negative two so, like, yeah you know actually, what i mean to be fair like yeah there's patient zero and i think i'm patient like one after that because i You're can one before it no one knew what it was they refused to but they were like oh you just got some crazy flu that didn't affect the kids but managed to make you all feel like you were about going to die no idea what it is who could figure it out we'll never know there's no way to test for it what's that did we ever tell that story in the podcast or not? I I sure hope we did because I mean I can edit this part out yeah, of course. If we if we didn't, well I mean if we didn't, the short version is I came back for I did the Brazil Comic Con in uh, December 2019, and I came back and I was fine. And then in early January, I got really weirdly sick, like I got yeah. really weirdly sick. And I went to the doctor and like COVID was in the country at that point because I remember reading the reports and it was in Seattle and I think California. Right. Uh, when I got sick, because I remember going to the the doctor and being like, it's not this this virus that's in Seattle and, and California. And they're like, no, no, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. You just have a mystery virus. We don't know what it is. Dude, it swept through your entire household. All the adults, I recall, no, was, were that like, like. That was like a couple of months later. Oh, was that later? I thought it was yeah. like in January. I thought so you guys I, all got I, it. I got okay. sick in January, and then uh, yeah. we got sick, and then the rest of us got sick uh, in March. Really, March was yeah. it that late? Oh, yeah, man, yeah, it was way it was. earlier. Because because you told me about you guys all getting sick in a way yeah, that yeah. I did not make the connection. No, 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 no. Chloe, Chloe got like proper, you know, one hundred and four degree. I was like, hallucinating fever. and shit. Sick. Yeah, exactly. That's that like March. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. And I, was it was either after was it, it was either just before or just after like everything locked down. It was just uh, before. It yeah, was it just before. Because yeah. um, I remember I us know, all being I, confused. I, I got, Gavin didn't get sick. Uh, yeah, sorry, I got the kid didn't get sick, sick and everyone did. Yeah, yeah, I got solo sick in January, and I remember going, "Is it this virus that like they're talking about this this in Seattle?" And then being like, no, it's just a mystery virus that we don't know what it is. You're right. Which is just like, come on, you guys. Connect some dots. So anyway, my my theory is is that you guys like got exposed at a level that just the rest of us are like, you know what I mean? Like you're 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 just you're just immunized for life. That's I hope. Because if not and I get you guys <laughs> sick. Like, I was going to say, that's saying, saying, like, immunized for life is, is not a good thing. Oh, oh, I see. I was the one tempting fate, not you saying, like, yeah, we're really looking forward to you coming up and giving us COVID, Jeff. Like, that wasn't tempting Boy, fate. Well, that was like a double bluff to fate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was, I was distracting myself from uh, going into the, the wrap-up where I was saying there's not an episode next week. There is an episode two weeks from now. Ah, uh, uh, there we go. Where we are, it's going to be a, a regular way and Jeff and I are probably going to be talking about Flashpoint Beyond, which it was a journey for everyone, not just Batman and the Time Masters, 
and uh, Jeff and I are going to talk about our own personal journey with that that comic. Um, <laughs> <Ew>. Fucking hell! <laughs> I don't know if you just heard Chloe go "ooh," but that. that... <laughs> yeah, big ew energy. Um, in the I have to say, Chloe, there is something where because you are such the excitable goblin about everything, when you break out the ew, it feels extra judgy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Wound. oh, we're bad. <laughs> We're really even. Even the shit goblin thinks that we are bad. This is this is low. <laughs> I feel like I'm supposed to be super insulted, but it's just funny instead. See, I, just, I feel I had strong "you see me" energy happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the meantime, Chloe, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, yes. you can find me. On Twitter, at Punk Rock Mom Jeans, except except uh, Rock is spelled R O K. Um, you can also find me on thegutterreview.com, the brand Yay! new fancy website that's very nice and very good. And thank you, Adam Nave, for helping me set it up. Uh, I will say right now that there's not there's a lot of good stories on there, but yes. Sarah Sanctuary's one from this week about X Men is really good. I'm so glad you mentioned it, so it gives me an excuse to link it in the show notes. I agree. Uh, It is so good. Oh, you can also link the one about Paul Grist and uh, the nature of Britain uh, by Charles C. Murphy. Oh, the Deathlock one, I think, is is very Jeff. Yes, and the Deathlock one uh, and how Deathlock uh, across the ages speaks to how we view transhumanism by Tom Shapiro. It's all very, very... Very, very good. And also that Bisley interview, which really is a joy because we just we complete we start talking about the balls in Harley's little black book. And then we just go off the rails talking about like art philosophy and A.I. So, yeah, that's, that's the Bisley interview is really fun. Yeah. Really fun. So there's that. Um, we are uh, at Wait What Podcast is our Twitter. The uh, Wait What Podcast dot com is our website. Jeff's Twitter is at LazyBastard, at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D, and I am at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we're a Patreon supporter podcast, which gives Jeff an opportunity to say this. Yes. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, we're so grateful for our listeners, uh, not just the ones that, that you know, um, try to talk to Graham at a Frankenstein comic swap and I, sent him I really fleeing am, in embarrassment. I really am mortified and I'm so sorry. I was so rude and I didn't mean to be. I'm so sorry. You know, Graham, I, I want to say, is, is this is going to sound actually unbelievably stupid coming out of my mouth, but is this podcast a more personal um piece of work that goes out in the world for you than all of your entertainment writings yeah right yeah yeah so i mean i know you you are definitely generally the attention thing is makes you uncomfortable so in a way i could see you being sort of mortified if someone was like oh my god you're my favorite writer on read pop or you know whatever but but i i sort of feel as being having an uh, a whatnot in real life actually say as much. Don't describe himself as a whatnot. That's what really just made me go, oh god, I'd like get really embarrassed. <laughs> well, it it's very... like the blushing milkmaid for a moment. It was totally a thing. Oh, 
Graham McMillan, Blushing Milkmaid. I'm telling you, we've all got some some primo business card options coming out of this episode. So uh, anyway, <laughs> listeners, you're great. Not just for, not just because you will humiliate Graham uh, in, in, in a good way and for good reasons, but, uh, but also because you have continued to, to give us valuable time and energy for our just relentless mouthing. Um, and uh, the fine folks on Patreon also deserve a, a, a special uh, thank you, a super grateful thank you for throwing us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh as well that is going to, I think, really help me um, when I hit at least one or two comic stores up in Portland because I, I, I'm not going to be able to hold out. Um, and, uh, especially Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, um, her continued support of this podcast, uh, as, as well as this little celestial neck of things, um, you know, like that you really, you can't overstate that. You can't overstate the importance of a cat that not only supports your Patreon, uh, podcasting, but, but also, you know, the galaxy, like, come on, if you think about it, that's. That's that's pretty impressive, Graham. I love you're like yeah, if you think about it. I mean, just yeah, right. just for a second, think about it. It's a cat that takes care of the galaxy. What's your problem? Right. Um, I, I just I love the idea of overselling that, which is kind of like. <laughs> anyway. um, thank you very much, whatnots, for listening to us go on for uh, two and a half hours. Uh, thank you very much, Jeff Lester, for editing this two and a half hour podcast. Oh, man, I tell I, you, I you guys. So why not you know that if it's actually less than two and a half hours, you know the Jeff has edited something out. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be like 45 minutes, and I'm going to leave in all the references to you of it being two and a half hours. They're like, what got cut? So. Yeah, what? what? I can just lie. Remember this? We, I can't believe we recorded for seven hours, Jeff. Well, like, it's, the sun's come up already. It's incredible. <laughs> anyway, um, we will see you or talk to you I guess uh, in two weeks and Jeff Lester we will see you in about five days yeah with that I say to everyone bye <laughs>